For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Starting with a couple of uh, weather-related stories. As hot as Spain, except with the rain. It almost uh, it almost rhymes. Uh, there's a status yellow in many places across uh, 27 counties in Ireland now. Um, but they love putting labels and colours on things in, in Ireland, and there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, certainly high temperatures, but rain, and sometimes uh, a lot of it, you know. And that's why the front page of The Independent this morning talks about a shortage of Irish fruit and vegetables. Now, an awful lot of what we're eating comes in from overseas. It's not the greatest. Uh, the Irish stuff is much, much better, and clearly a lot fresher. You'd certainly say that about the beautiful new Irish potatoes that are out at the moment, the spuds. But shoppers are facing a shortage of uh, fruit and veg for the rest of the year because of heavy rain and drought. So you don't get one, you get both, the heavy rain and the drought. So that's affecting the growth of things like cabbages, cauliflowers, carrots, parsnips, broccoli and sprouts. That's a front pager making the independent today. And then the front of the Echo makes for fairly harrowing reading. Uh, Aileen Hickey is the head of Parent Line. It's a national helpline offering support to parents facing abuse from their children. And they're saying that they're taking upwards of 600 calls a month now from parents uh, asking for help from the service um, because they're getting all sorts of abuse. It could be vocal, it could be physical, it could be both. Um, She says that uh, one in every three calls relates to child to parent violence. Adults suffering in silence um, should not feel alone because this is an ever-increasing problem. Uh, Various forms of abuse, uh, that's elder abuse or parental abuse. There's also the horror abuse of the number of victims who called women's aid last year and that's a story that makes the star. They also had a record-breaking year for calls with regards to domestic abuse victims making contact with women's aid. Um, And their report says that 31,500, almost 31,500 contacts were made nationally um, when you break it down into the different regions in 2022, up 16%. Uh, the amount of calls with regarding domestic abuse victims, uh, women calling um, uh, women's aid, and a lot of other statistical information. I mentioned this yesterday because um, it was also making the news yesterday uh, that Ireland is the is is Europe's biggest user per head of capita of cocaine, and with that, of course, comes the consequences of addiction. So, for for Europe's um, biggest users of cocaine, then therefore it shouldn't surprise us that cocaine has overtaken heroin as the most common drug people are seeking help with Um, and not just cocaine you can move up a different level then to crack cocaine and the examiner this morning says that um, the crack cocaine cases uh, with regards to uh, people getting treatment for it, getting hooked on it has risen sevenfold in the last six years Uh, people being treated for or asking for help and rehab for crack cocaine and indeed cocaine the other the other issues regarding uh, addictions in Ireland with regards to things that you ingest or take into your system. So you've got coke as number one, uh, opioids including heroin at number two, cannabis is third and benzodiazepines is four. But those numbers are going on one way and that's up uh, cocaine topping our drug problem. And of course, uh, it's not any sociodemographic group anymore. It certainly is not any demographic age group anymore. There's no difference between male and female. Um, and you're, you're more likely or as likely to find somebody in their 20s using cocaine as you are somebody in their 50s or 60s or perhaps even older. Now, there's a lot regarding Drew Harris's, the commissioner's visit to Cork yesterday, which I'll come back to in a few minutes' time. So for now, just a few of the headlines where the examiner this morning 
Go and English's story says that uh, Drew Harris says that Cork will just have to wait, like everybody else, for new Garda recruits. Apparently there are 400 Garda recruits going through various stages uh, of appointment at the moment and Cork will get its fair share. We've got about 14,000 Garda in Ireland now, but we have 500 vacancies nationally. In fact, I think it should be much higher than the 500 vacancies nationally. But Cork has certainly seen a decrease in the amount of Gardaí. Um, and also I see in the papers this morning that the Sinn Féin TD, Thomas Gould, um, was talking about the number of sworn-in Gardaí being down um, from 732 years ago to 707 today. In fact, that's also picked up then by uh, other local councillors. For instance, there's a story in the uh, same paper where uh, one of the local councillors, independent councillor, councillor Thomas Maloney, says that there needs to be a lifting of any kind of overtime ban uh, and that the Garda Commissioner um, should lift the ban or have a blanket overall approval of overtime to get more Gardaí on the beat in Cork City and he ruled that out as well. Uh, so anyway, Thomas Maloney was saying that 10 years ago there would have been, for instance, 24 detectives in Anglesey Street. Uh, the figure is now down to 12. This information can be quite worrying because uh, criminals also know and those who want to engage in criminal activity know, oh yeah, there's an awful lot less detectives. They won't be able to cover as many cases as well. Mind you, they do. And you just need to look at the court reports of the amount of cases that are actually solved. You see it daily in the court. So more about that in, in a few minutes' time. I will come back to that meeting yesterday. But uh, talking about court reports, there's a very angry man who got into his car at the height of a, of a row outside a supermarket and drove deliberately at another man, causing him injury uh, to his back. And this was before the Cork Circuit Criminal Court yesterday, Jordan Horgan uh, from Glenville. He's been jailed for two years and banned from driving for a further eight years. And the judge said that the accused was at the Dunn Stores car park in Ballyvalan um, and that uh, after a verbal altercation, he got into his car and he drove the car deliberately at the injured party, causing injury to his lower back. Now, um, of course, he was remorseful. You would be if you're in court. I understand all of that and admitting guilt and things like that. But what was interesting was uh, the reason for, say, for instance, a two-year a jail sentence and being banned for driving for eight years. There were other aggravating factors in that uh, he shouldn't have been driving at all because at the time he was disqualified from driving as a result of previous driving matters. And apparently the guards said that he has a very significant history of road traffic offences. And you can see where that has got him now into jail. Um, there's, a, there's an alarming story happening in the middle of the Atlantic, just south of Newfoundland. There is this mini sub that takes wealthy people down to visit the wreckage of the Titanic. There are five on board and they're lost and the clock is ticking. Um, and uh, some of them are uh, obviously, you know, you have the, the professionals uh, navigating the sub, but the others are, are, I guess, if you like, tourists underseas. And one of them is a British billionaire. And there are four others also visiting the shipwreck down on the Atlantic uh, seabed. I think they're about I think they're about three miles down. They're about three miles down. That's where the site of the Atlantic is. And Titan, they're in a mini sub called Titan, took off on Sunday morning during a break in weather and down they went. But they were about an hour and three quarters into the eight-hour mission uh, when contact was completely lost. Now, interestingly, uh, Sunday morning to, say, for instance, to Tuesday morning is 48 hours, right? Moment of correction, this is Tuesday. That was Sunday morning. The sub, apparently, has up to 96 hours of air. Now, 
I don't know if that's affected by the amount of people on board, if you know what I mean, as to who's breathing it. But let's say that there's enough air for all of them for 96 hours. There's a good chance they're still alive and could be saved. But the headline in the Sun this morning says, Five lost on sub to Titanic. Lost as in they can't contact them, not lost as if they're dead. Five are trapped inside the Titan, the Titan submarine, and they are running out of air. But there could well be a chance that if they get another sub down and they can find them and they can connect them, that they can bring them up safely. So that's an interesting story. A very live one, particularly over the next couple of days, if you like. Uh, Some people have got themselves into hot water for what they are saying. Be interesting also, say, for instance, the Dermot Kennedy story. If that happened on Irish soil with the change or the proposed change, I hope it never happens, incidentally. To the, to the hate crime laws. I think, I think some parts of it need to happen, but others are just really weird. But if Dermot Kennedy said what he was alleged to have said in Canada, would he be prosecuted under a hate crime for using the K word, the K-N-A-C-K-E-R word? Um, he was asked apparently at some kind of a gathering or some kind of a, uh, a symposium or interview to give examples of Irish slang And one of the words he used was uh, the word knackered. Now, that word, if you're to take it as just that, could be a term to express absolutely wrecked tired. But then he went on to take off the ED off the word and to try and explain that. Uh, And, of course, got himself into all sorts of hot water. And people are freaking out here. uh, And people are calling for, you know, he needs to apologise of the use of an offensive slur. And at the same time, um, Dave Fanning, who wouldn't say boo... At the best of times, he's just one of the nicest people you'll ever meet and never gets into hot water or trouble. He's just a really likeable guy. Um, The front page of the Star this morning talks about the fury at the Fanning Christie rant. Apparently, Orty have already had over 40 complaints. Uh, it, it, It had to do with him giving an interview to Claire Byrne on Orty following the death and the announcement of the death of Christie Dignam. And during the interview, he said that uh, Christie uh, blew it royally when it came to choose, choose, achieving success due to his heroin addiction. Now, he, like, th- this sadly is a fact because now Stokes, the editor of Hot Press, said something similar on my radio program about they had an opportunity, they had a window of four or five years where they could have gone global, as good as you two, but sadly, issues within the band, including Christie's heroin addiction, was made that absolutely impossible. Now, Dave came out and said that he blew it. So... I think you could accept that because that really is a fact and, uh, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. It it did lead to the breakup of of Aslan. But he went on then to, in an interview with with Christy Dignam, to talk about what Christy was saying about when he was abused as a child. Um, And that is probably a little more alarming. Um, He he, he said that when he was talking to Christy Dignam, uh, Christy said that uh, he, because of that, because of... um, um, the fact that I was abused at the age of six by a neighbour, um, that's what led to heroin addiction and literally blowing the international career. Um, so I filled it, not trying to get high with heroin, just trying to fill the heroin to keep my mind away from the memory of the childhood abuse. Um, and this is also a fact. This did happen to Christy Dignam and it did have huge impact on him. Uh, but Dave Fanning said, I remember saying to him, uh, are you sure about that, Christy? Are you sure you're not trying to pull the wool over my eyes? Um, what I'm saying is that you have uh, two things about people who go on heroin, get rid of them or uh, do the best you can to uh, help with them. Um, so I think that probably could be deemed as quite hurtful because it trivialises abuse, particularly abuse of children. And that's one of the reasons I think as well that people are so angry 
with what Dave Fanning had to say. Um, we have lots of other crises, of course, here in this country. I was talking about the, uh, the hate crime uh, legislation that Helen McEntee seems to be gone on some kind of a solo run on. Brenda Power in a column this morning says, that's all very well. Would somebody please, would somebody please define exactly what level of hate we're talking about here? Because we're in very murky waters. Indeed, when it comes to education, I see the, the staff crisis is so bad. The Irish Independent is reporting that there are now schools in Ireland um, asking pupils' grandparents to rent rooms to teachers. And interestingly, I got a flyer in at home over the weekend from Bell Childcare uh, in Douglas, who does bilingual early learning. And they are also looking for staff accommodation in the Douglas area. And they're saying you can earn up to €14,000 tax-free by renting a room in your house. And they're looking for people to take in their staff. They're saying our staff are professional, our staff are female, and our staff are Garda vetted teachers. Uh, so that's a flyer that's going around. Usually it's people who want to cut your grass, isn't it? Or clean the gutterings or paint the house or whatever. Now it's rooms for, for teachers. Um, see, you know what? I talk about the hate crimes legislation. Here's a typical example of what would happen in Ireland, and rightly so, if we had very, very stringent hate laws. Um, this vile Manchester United fan wore a shirt to the FA Cup final, mocking the Hillsborough disaster. The back of the shirt said, emblazoned on the back of his shirt, not enough 97. So he got himself fined £1,000 and banned from football matches in the UK for four years. Uh, he's a Red Devils supporter, although I'd say the Red Devils will disown James White. Uh, and he was in the dock yesterday because the cops chased him down. Um, there was a photograph taken of him and Wembley bosses and police saw it and tracked him down. He was sitting in the United End. When he was arrested, he came up with the most cowardly excuse you could think of. He said it had nothing to do with the 97 at Hillsborough. The Not Enough 97 slogan on the back of his shirt was a reference to his 97-year-old granddad who didn't have enough kids. I mean, God almighty, how weak is that? Anyway, the judge, anyway, wasn't having any of it. 97 fans died in the crush at Hillsborough uh, during an FA Cup semi-final uh, between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest in 1989. And that story makes the star today. And he um, got fined. I don't know whether he'll... Nothing to do with, with jail or anything like that, but you can't be talking uh, like that. Papers also remind us of the one and only Ray Heffernan, a 73-year-old who has now failed his driving test 21 times. And Ralph Regal picks up another story in The Independent. I've spoken to Ray Heffernan on numerous occasions. He will not give up. He says, I know I'm a good, safe driver and I know I will get my licence one day. He says, I've never caused an accident. How could they say that about someone who's never caused an accident in over 50 years of driving? He says, I don't have any penalty points and I'm a really careful driver on the road. Um, He once took a test, actually, Ray, according to The Independent, um, and he registered 45 faults in the test, almost five times the number required to fail. But yet, he has no penalty points and he's never had an accident. So he's going to go for his 22nd. He just ain't given up. Papers also this morning talk about uh, funeral songs. I want everybody to have a think about what song you would like played at your funeral. This is a story that makes the sun today. Um, they have, uh, instead of Top of the Pops, it's Top of the Pop Your Clogs. Frank Sinatra's My Way used to be number one, right? That's been knocked back to number two now and replaced by 
Time to Say Goodbye, Bissera Brightman and Andre Bocelli. Followed by Oh Blue Eyes with My Way. Followed by Supermarket Flowers by Ed Sheeran. Really? I don't even know that song. Is it a good song for somebody who's just died? Uh, no ah. idea. I, t- I, t- I take it it is if it's that popular. One of the most awful songs in the world. No disrespect to what people who picked it. What about Living in a Box? Living in a Cardboard Box. Um, hang on a second. No, that doesn't make the top ten. Oh, Sorry. That would be mine. Or uh, I fell into a burning ring of fire <laughs> if, if I'm going over to the island. Okay, you can only pick one. Um, <laughs> Wind Beneath My Wings. Beth Middle, a shocking song, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Might have a shocking song. We'll meet again. Vera Lynn. I like that one. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Eva Cassidy. like that as well. I love that one. You'll Never Walk Alone. Jerry and the Pacemakers. Do your Liverpool Jerry and the Peacemakers Love it, love it, love it no. uh, All Things Bright and Beautiful That's a hymn The only hymn That makes the top Oh, there's actually ten There's actually two in the top ten Abide mm. With Me And Dancing in the Sky By Danny and Lizzie Oh, this this is changing There's no Always look on the bright side of life Yeah, no, ten. no And my mum would always uh, <laughs> My mum wants um, D-Ream Things Can Only Get Better That's a good play. one Yeah, yeah Things That's a good one. Can Only Get Better Spirit um, in the Sky would be a good one. <laughs> Spirit in the Sky would be a good one, yeah. Um no, I, I like the Monty Python. I think that's a kind of a that's a kind of a classic. Um but uh yeah, it is something and you know My what's wife's happening? is heaven. I'm in heaven. Yeah. You know that one dancing cheek to cheek. Yeah. She loves yeah, that yeah. one. Um th- it's nice to see that like, you know, before that wasn't really an option, was it? Like you wouldn't really have the option. Oh no, you still get a cranky priest that won't songs. allow it. Yeah, whereas now it seems to be a little bit more especially in the um I know in the crematorium they, they actually like they allow you to have a playlist and a whole thing. They just yeah, bring a speaker but, and they leave yeah, you. Yeah, but the sound system is bad there. Uh, it's not great. That, that, that people are saying it's intentionally bad in there, so if you crank it up it sounds awful. So but anyway, that's an, another story for another day. Anyway, text your uh, chosen funeral song. Text 0868104106. Calls after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text in WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Your chosen funeral song. Somebody else is suggesting another one bites the dust by Queen. Somebody else is picking up on Keep the Home Fires Burning. Who would that be? Would that have been Vera Lynn? Another one, In a Lifetime by Clonard and Bono. Keep those coming. Text 0868-104-106. But to very serious matters, I was flagging this for you yesterday morning that uh, the uh, boss of the guards, the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris, was in Cork yesterday uh, for the... The joint policing committee meeting. Um, there are a lot of different people, stakeholders in the city come together, I think on a monthly basis, to discuss uh, issues uh, regarding the city. And of course, crime dominated the agenda yesterday. There were many people at it. I wasn't, but certainly I referenced some of those that were. Uh, Thomas Gould was there. He uh, was making some points at it. So was uh, the local councillor, councillor Thomas Maloney. He made some excellent points at it. Uh, but Jerry Bonimer, uh, the uh, Cork senator and indeed Coherlock of the Shannon, was also there. And I just want to find out what went on. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Can I'm- I just compliment you, first of all? on your piece about dying because as former chairman of the health committee we did a huge body of work on death and dying and one of the things that we're not good at in Ireland is one talking about death and two preparing for it so I think that the conversation you're having even though it's half in jest is actually very important to have because we need to do that more okay. as a society okay, good just, point. so thank you for that you're welcome but to, just to lighten it up because it was chosen songs that one would have after your at your funeral have you one picked I have, I actually have two of them picked, actually. One is Nearer My God to Be. It's kind of one of those old-fashioned hymns. And then the second one is 
but Gillamar, a lovely Irish song. So I, I, it's, <laughs> it is funny. Shame on Gillamar. That's a beautiful that's piece. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful piece. Yeah, and look, and I'm genuine in this. It is something we need to talk about. We're all probably half afraid of dying, but as part of our faith and our belief, it's about not dead, re- rebirth. But it's something we and commend you for that. And okay. I hope that over time, the report that we have as a committee will become part of what with the Irish Cancer and the Irish Hospice Foundation is about making sure that people are prepared for and can talk about it. Okay, could, could so, we okay, could we talk about protecting the living, right? Yes, the, the citizens absolutely. of Cork, because Drew Harris came to Cork yesterday and I've read all the articles on it this morning. Owen English has a lot in both the Examiner and indeed the Echo this morning. He came to Cork but gave us nothing. He said no to overtime for Angarda Shikona. He said no to new Gardaí. You got him wait in line for like everybody else, for guard or recruits. Uh, what was the point of his visit? Well, I think, first of all, Neil, uh, the, the, the meeting was a positive meeting because it outlined a, a number of events in the city that have, you know, made our city a vibrant city by the city manager. But the most important point, I think, is that, first of all, the visit by Drew Harris was disappointing. It's, it's an invitation that the Lord Mayor extended to him. Uh, he was there for an hour. Um, and, and I felt it, it was a missed opportunity for a, from a policing point of view. And I want to commend the chairman, Damien Boylan, who handled the meeting very well. But You we, said an we, hour we, wasn't enough, is it? Wasn't enough, yeah. I mean, my point is, he came to Cork yesterday. He could have met with, as part of the JPC meeting, members of the committee had had a proper engagement with him. He could have met with members of the Cork Business Association who represent the business, the small retail, medium enterprises in the city. He could have discussed more with us as a committee his, his plans around the model of policing in terms of visibility. And we all accept you can't have a guard in every street corner. Uh, but remember, uh, we, are, we are the second city uh, that is growing. It's a wonderful place to live. But what we all want to try and do is to make it a better, safer, yeah. cleaner city for those who live in the inner city, those who live in the suburb and around the, the, the periphery of the city. We, we know, we, we know that. Yeah. Did, did, he, did he actually walk any of the streets? Was he brought around the city centre? Well, I, I, I'm not aware of that personally. I mean, so that was my point. My, my point about yesterday's meeting was it was an opportunity. So when we last had the Gala Commissioner at a JPC in Cork as the first part, then, as a part of that, I, I thought we could have had a bigger engagement. He could have heard more from members and from members of the business community and the residents who live in the city. So we had to submit questions in advance of the meeting. Then the Garda Commissioner gave a, a reply. And, and look, he gave a great reply. It was very very nuanced, very political in terms of internal policing, politics. But it, it didn't, to me, serve the needs of people that... It could have done. Oh, say so. This was not a this was not a conversation. It was a prepared response to already known questions. Well, that was the sense that I had. No, and I, 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 I maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, I would have liked to have heard from residents associations, business people. I've met them repeatedly and numerously in advance of and prior to, and all the time in my work um, in the city. But there are challenges in the city that we have to overcome. We live in a great city. We know that. But there are challenges, and, and some of those challenges have to be addressed, and we can't, you know, turn a blind eye to some of the issues that we have. Um, and and one, of the, one of the issues is that people tell us repeatedly, whether it's on your programme or others, or in my work as a public, that, that there's an issue of antisocial behaviour, issue with, with increased fear of some people in the city. And, and that, I think, is an opportunity for us yesterday. But that was said to him. Together. That was said to him by, the, by Helen Murphy from the Cork Business Association. She said, we have a serious decline in the number of Gardaí visible in the city centre streets, particularly during the day. She said to him, this has led to corresponding and increasing worrying right 
comprises an antisocial behaviour that often caused serious alarm and unease amongst businesses and shoppers. And she said, we would like to know when we will see the return of active, regular and consistent guarded patrols of Cork City Centre on foot, foot and on bicycles. It couldn't have been more put more plainly than that. And then his response was, it wasn't about, and I'm quoting, it, it, the constraint isn't money, it's recruitment. And then he spoke about the issue that Cork, w- w- in terms of the issue of, of recruitment of Angarda Shikana to, to the city, and, and there was no opportunity for us to say to him, well, Commissioner, we are the second city, we're the fastest growing region as part of the National Development Plan, uh, how can we ensure that Cork gets not just its fair share, but an enhanced share? And then secondly, uh, as part of what, what the Cork Business Association put forward in the meeting was, how can we engage in terms of making sure the model of policing reflects upon the concerns expressed by Helen, but also by, by others of us at the meeting? So my point was that it was a missed opportunity to have that kind of a, a forum, which is available to members once in, once in uh, at the meeting is every quarter, but the Garda Commission doesn't come the whole time. And and we had, and, and there was there was as part of our presentation by the Garda Shikana, it showed an increase in theft from shop. Now, I appreciate that seven out of ten of those crimes are detected and are solved, but I'm told anecdotally by members of, 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 of retail uh, owners in the city that they are hiring protection to, to, to protect their staff and their goods. Security, and yeah. They have security on yeah. the doors. They so, have to have security. So, so, so are, you, are you saying that a question would be asked that he'd know the answer to the, the question in advance, prepare the response. So there was no Q&A, there was no rebuttal, nobody could pick up on any of his no, points. That was, and, and, no, that, and, was part of, that was part of the, my difficulty yesterday. And it wasn't about me being heard. It was choreographed then. Business. Well, that, uh, that's what I thought, to okay. be honest. Okay. I mean, for me, the meeting, and, and the meeting was an opportunity for us to speak about our, our, our city, how we can improve it, what's working, like we we all recognise the the huge role that community guard play, and let me say this, Neil, on your program, the work that members of Angara Shikana do in our city is 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 immeas- is immeasurable. You, you, we cannot say enough thanks to them because of what they have to do every day and every night, and often anti-social hours. And and, and I want to just pay tribute to the members of Angara Shikana, but in saying that. There's a body of people who live and work and recreate in the city who express to me and on your programme and other programmes there's an issue in the city we need to address and, and that wasn't yesterday to me, in my mind, addressed by Angarda Shikana Commissioner as opposed to the Chief Super Tom Myers who's a fine guard and a fine public pub, policeman. Well, he, he, the, the, chief, chief and, the Chief and other superintendents from what have you in general at Anglesey Street or the Bridewell, they must be very, very frustrated. I don't mean to wish to you know, speak on their behalf though because they kind of get what needs to be done, don't they? I mean, they, they live amongst us. They are here, you know. Um, the Chief comes down and he says, no, no, no. I think the message that he gave was that there just aren't enough guard or recruits. Is that it? Well, that was part of it. I mean, he did say that the constraint wasn't money, it's, it's recruitment. And and I suppose the point I would make to you is, if that is the case, then why? how can we attract more people to join the Gardaí? What is the reason that people don't join? And, and then how can we address that? And he, and he didn't make that point yesterday as part of his contribution. Um, you know, so I, 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 I just think that... You know, so get paid him, pay them more money, right? Uh, stop hitting them over the back of the head with the G-Sox stick. 
um, you know, morale will improve then if conditions, terms and pay improve. You know, like, it's, it's that simple, isn't it? More people will well, be suppose- attracted to it if, if the job, give, give them tasers, make it safer for them, make it more of a desirable job. Well, see, I mean, that, that that is the point. Like, I mean, and we have had this kind, this this debate around body cams and facial recognition technology, uh, and and I suppose we need to look at how we can make policing in a, in a modern world more tech savvy and to enhance, as you said, the, the work that the guards do by giving them the taser, by giving them the body cams and the facial recognition technology, and that's part of what we need to have this discussion about. But then you look people who'd be complaining about civil liberties coming on, and 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 and, and there's a balancing act that we have to get right. But for me, my my, my whole motivation is to make our city a safer, better city. Um, And and as I keep saying, and I think we're lucky that we live in a wonderful place. It's a vibrant, growing city. But there are issues that we need to address. And and there needs to be a model of of visibility that's enhanced, that that reassures people, that gives people confidence. That can, again, as part of the plan for the city, in terms of the doctrines and others, is to regrow the city and and, and get people to come Uh, back into the city, and in particular, Neil, onto the island of the city. Yeah, Okay. so I don't know whether or not he actually got a tour of the city or not. Uh, I did yesterday. I was in town and I decided to spend one hour just walking the streets of Cork. So I walked the entire Patrick Street area. I walked Mailer Street, uh, I walked down Oliver Plunkett Street, I was around Parnell Place, I came back up again, I was down around the Grand Parade, I was over at Dawn Square, I was over at the Mall, I went over to the Peace Park, went to Bishop Lucy Park, uh, was around the English Market. So in one hour, I did not see one single guard, nor a single squad car. But yet, there is obvious issues going on in the city with people who are demented from addictions. They're roaring and screaming and hassling people. Uh, I went into the Q Park yesterday. I think they have, uh, I think they really need to have a deep dive look into the Q Park on the Grand Parade, which charges €3.60 per hour to park there. Because yet again, I got out of my car on the third floor and what did I meet? Three characters down in the corner shooting up heroin. I then went to walk from the the sub-level, you've got 3 and 3A, three there's a small little stairway there, and it was absolutely destroyed in human excrement. And the smell of urine in there was absolutely horrific, the stench. Um, that's the real world of what's happening inside in the city. And I, I'm not, I'm not criticising members of Ungarda Shikona because they're assigned the duties. But does that, not, does that surprise you? Not a single, not one, not one guard in our squad car in one hour. It does surprise me because there is there is a level of policing that is in the city, but that then leads to the other part of our meeting yesterday that we had, where we had the the, the report in terms of the supervised injection centre following the visit by a multi-agency team of city council, the HSC and the Gardaí, to Lisbon to look at the whole issue around supervised injection centres, and that's the conversation Neil, that we need to have within our city. And no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, where were the guards yesterday if they well, weren't I, I, policing I I, I, an I area that's that. in crisis and the CBA are telling us it's in crisis? Where were they? That's a matter for the, the operation, a matter for Garrity, but it, it raises the point in terms of the need to have that um, model of policing that's visible. Um, and and it's, it's about visibility. And, and I look, we can't have a guard at every street corner uh, there is also a level of personal responsibility and accountability uh, in terms of behaviour that we need to look at as well in, in the long term, in terms of respect for each, each other and for law and order and for for, for, for for property, but that's a different matter. Uh, but So that's why yesterday, as part of the 
the debate that we could have had was to discuss that model of policing. And, okay. and I take your point on board that you, when you say that criminals watch or listen, like, okay, we can't have sensitivity. Well, they know that there are less public. guards. They know that there's half yeah. as many detectives out of Anglesey Street than there was 10 years ago. They know all of these things and it but, gives, but them, me, it gives them a level of impunity. It, but in fairness to the Gardaí, the level of detection is quite high. The level of policing is... It, it yeah, I see it all the time in the court reports. I'm not saying that they don't do good work. I'm not talking about the detectives or the members of the force. I'm at a higher level than this now, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, like, why, why then could you have a couple of dozen Gardaí at the Cork Summer Show across the weekend with squad cars and traffic corps and all sorts of people like that? Uh, you know, it's, it's about where they're sent and the work that they're asked to do. That, that's so. Was was yesterday a wasted opportunity then? I thought that the, the opportunity was wasted. It was a missed opportunity with the Garda Commissioner. Yes, the ongoing engagement with, with Chief Superintendent Myers and his and his team is quite good, and that's very positive. But we rarely get the Chief the, the, the Garda Commissioner at a policing forum, and I thought it was a missed opportunity by him okay. to to talk to the people of Cork about his vision, his plans for Cork. And, okay. and look, the reality is we, we, we all would love to see more guards, more resources. But he said yesterday it wasn't about resourcing. So then if it isn't about resourcing, how can we then ensure that we can recruit and attract people to come into Angarda Shikana because it's a very important role and function they play in society? I just told you and how to do that. Pay them more. Give them better terms and conditions. Make the job more attractive. There are plenty of guards walking the beat in Dublin, though. Did anybody say that to him? Well, you see, there was no opportunity to say that to him. Oh, yeah, because it was all prearranged questions yeah. and answers. One, one other aspect that was discussed yesterday was the issue regarding the right to peaceful protest. Because um, he did talk about that fact that people have a right to protest, but not a right to intimidate or threaten. He, he was referencing uh, particularly the incidents down at uh, the library on the Grand Parade. Um, you, you were aware of that part of the conversation where he said, yes. he said that kind of intimidation is an insidious form of protest, he said. And the guards have a balancing act as to what to do with regards to enforcing people's conflict, conflicting rights. Um, I would have thought that somebody would be allowed to protest outside or indeed inside the library. I would have thought that people would be allowed to bring their own copy of This Book is Gay and rip it up but that the law, that the line would be passed when they start filming staff. Is that what it is? Well, I, I think, first of all, we, we live in a democratic society where the right to protest is, 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 is sacrosanct. What, what's not and shouldn't be tolerated is in the case of the city library, which is a workplace uh, for members of staff where people can walk in and intimidate and abuse uh, members of the library staff. Um, and, and I think that's something we need to be very careful of, uh, is that we recognise that there is a right to protest, there is a right to a difference of opinion and a different viewpoint, but how you express that and how you, that's manifested itself uh, is one that we need to look at in a very serious way. And we now live in a world where the instantaneous filming and, 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 and in a way, intimidation of people in some cases, because if, you're, if you are, for example, walking from your place of work, we'll just say down to town, and someone decides to fill a new... Is that an invasion of your privacy in your space? And Have they a right to do that? OK, well, under the so, proposed Helen McAtee hate crime bill, which is passing through the Senate at the moment, everything will change in that regard. However, you said that you can't talk about that or give no, an opinion on it because you're yeah. chairman of the Cahir Look of the Senate. Yeah, I'm precluded from speaking on legislation and I, I'm not going to give an opinion on the bill, but I will give an opinion... Are you allowed to say how you will vote on the bill? Well, I, I, I'm not actually because there, I, I don't have a vote unless there's a tied vote in terms of the 
the, the, the question that's put before the Shannon, so I can't express a view or, or say that to you right now. But what I, what I am prepared to say to you in terms of the, the, is that we have a right to protest. There is a right to, to, to peaceful assembly. But what's happening in the city library is a different matter uh, where, where you have staff, workspace okay. and staff environment being, 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 being intruded upon and trampled upon. And they have rights and recognitions that must be respected and upheld as well. OK, appreciate it. Much obliged to Senator Jerry Bottomer, uh, who was at that joint policing meeting yesterday. I suppose if I were to sum it up, and I wasn't there, but just from what Jerry is saying and indeed the reports in the papers this morning, if you thought that things were going to get any better anytime soon, and they're not. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. And keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. I want to just pick up on something that uh, Paul Walsh from Three Little Piggy was, was saying yesterday with regards to Drew Harris being in Cork yesterday. It's uh, Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, yeah, he, he said that there can't be a Garda on every street corner. We got that, right? We know that, but we would yeah. like some, right? Well, we would, because, like, if you walk, you said you walked through the city for an hour yesterday. Yeah. Neil, you could have walked through the city for six hours. You're not going to see a Garda on any corner of any street off Patrick Street or any other street. So, as you said earlier, and Jerry said earlier on, this is not a criticism of the Garda. Obviously, they're bogged down in work. And Drew Harris said yesterday, no, we can't afford new or more Garda. It's a fact we cannot afford to not have more Gardaí. If you started outside the old tax office, if you're a tour guide, outside the old tax office, which is going to be, or sorry, yeah, it's tax office, you have three lovely Solomon benches facing, yeah, you have three lovely benches facing the river. Every single day, they're taking over. People sitting on them drinking. Yeah. You, go, you go across the footbridge, you've got more on the other side of it. You continue on down the Grand Prix with your tour. Well, you missed the Peace Park there. That That's taken the over Peace as well. Park, yeah. yeah. You're going to have outside City Library where it's a heroin hotspot with the public toilets there. I don't know if they're still open or not. No, they're, well, they're not, but there's there's a yeah. new little one that's got a brown door and uh, it's a, you, you tap it with your debit card, although Seamus was yeah. in there the other day doing a Vox Pop and it wasn't working. It uh, wouldn't open with his debit card. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Bishop, Bishop Lucy Park is not too bad at the moment. It can be at times, but it's not too bad. You continue on down with your tour to Dawn Square, hotspot. It's a no-go area sometimes. You continue on up Patrick Street, past the, the Bank of Ireland. There's a doorway there that is always guys camped out there. You can continue on up Patrick Street. Debenhams, there's uh, panhandlers camped out there every single day. You go on up to the top of Patrick Street and you swing a right down onto Merchant's Quay, which they've spent a lot of money on. Now, the new benches have been taken over. Yeah. Facing the river. You go down to Mary Ellen's Bridge, which a fortune was spent on. That's a dodgy footbridge to pass over. They're camped out there every single day. You go back down to the bus station, can be another hot spot. You swing back up and you head back up towards Anglesey Street. When you come to the bridge, lovely area again in the city, the end of South Mall, again, it can be taken over. And this is the most shocking one. You go past City Hall and you go to the nicest bus stop in Cork City, lovely marble benches and everything like that, and it's facing the courthouse. They're always there, and actually, as you said, they sent your urine and everything else, and they're sitting there, right in front of the courthouse, drinking away. Mm. Mm. 
that's not acceptable in our city for tourists and everything to be seen there. Yeah, but you know what? Like, you could say that also about, say, the likes of Q Park. Uh, not that I spoke to anybody in there. But I don't know why um, they don't have staff that are literally just keeping an eye on the different levels because nobody, anybody, shouldn't have to witness what I saw yesterday in Q Park and paying €3.60 yeah. for the privilege. You, 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 you what, what, did, what are their security doing? It, I'd love to know because... Um, you have hotspots like that as well in car parks and stuff like that and it can be I imagine it's frightening for women going in there driving in with kids and stuff like that going shopping or visiting the city but we have um, 700 we have 707 Gardaí in the Cork City Garda Divisional Area um, it, the highest it ever got was 730 in 2021 we have 707 now so it is decreasing not increasing at a time when we want more because they can't get people to join on Garda Shikana. And oh, I think you, you hit the nail in the head, Neil, when you said it needs to be made more attractive from needs need the wage structure needs to be better from they need better conditions. They need to make it attractive. And how many of those seven hundred and seven on any weekly basis are stuck doing admin, stuck inside in courts, playing the game of solicitors who have their own agenda, you know, to defer defer, put back, look for more and more reports. So a court case never gets solved as fast in court as it should do, but yet the guard is sitting there and could be sitting there for seven or eight hours doing nothing. I, I think they need to look at restructuring some of the, the smaller stuff on the spot fines. Gardaí should be allowed to walk up to these guys that are drinking on the street, take the drink off them, pour it out onto the ground in front of them and put the rubbish in the bin. I think they should be given these kind of powers. That, like the Gardaí can't go around and arrest somebody down in, say, Dawn Square that's down there drinking, giving trouble, and they wind up in court and it's going to be a vicious circle. Hit him or it hurts, hit him in the pockets, pour the drink out in front of him, dump the rubbish. All right. here's and, an keep, in, and, keep, and keep doing it. Here's an interesting statistic that I've just found in the Irish Kevin as the Irish Times. 5,000 people applied for the last recruitment competition for Angarda Shikona. 5,000 but only 300 of these entered the Garda College. Uh, why would that be? Why would that be? I think these days, with the cost of living and everything, Neil, I think the Garda obviously starts to note on the bottom run, train, uh, just a training Garda. I don't think the wages are attractive. But why would 5,000 be interested, but only a few hundred make it through? How does it get whittled away, you know? Do they yeah, take a closer look at it? Do they go to Templemore and not like it? Do they not fa- pass the fitness as what? Well, obviously you've got those factors, but I'd say the majority of them, i say when, they, when it boils down to it, they're looking at the wage. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Starting out, they're saying, well, jeez, I can't live in that. Okay, all right. Let me get some more texts on the air. Appreciate your call, Paul, as always. Uh, three little piggies. Uh, as long as we have free legal aid and as long as we have solicitors making so much money defending them, antisocial behaviour will continue. We cannot blame the Gardaí. Their hands are tied. They catch them, they bring them to court with solicitors ready and waiting to defend them in one door and out the other. Um, this is not Garda bashing. This is not actually having anything to do. I wouldn't tolerate that. People actually saying... That it's the fault of people who were in and serve within Angarda Shagana. Of course it isn't. But and they must feel just as angry and annoyed of the state of play and frustrated as the rest of us. Um, the military is visible on the streets of French cities because there's a high threat of extremist groups staging attacks. They are not arresting junkies or thieves, says Pat. You are right there, certainly with regards to the city of Nice. There's huge military and army. Um, presence on the streets of Nice for that reason. They are anticipating another 
um, uh, attack uh, or some kind of an extremist group or some kind of a lunatic uh, like there was some years back who, who drove down the promenade Anglais and killed many, many, many people in a van. Uh, plenty guardy around to attend concerts, block off roads and direct traffic, but none available to police or towns and cities. Uh, morning, myself and my wife and four-year-old daughter were in town last night. I like this text, actually, because it's very balanced. Myself, my wife and four-year-old daughter were in town Sunday night for a bite to eat. We're from Cove. We drove in and parked near the Flying Enterprise and walked up to Princess Street and Oliver Plunkett Street. I can say that there was a nice vibe and buzz about the place. The streets seemed nice and clean too. We had nice food in Il Padrino. Uh, and when we got to the car, we took a spin up Patrick Street. That's when we both said how dodgy and grim it was. Places were boarded up and closed down on Patrick Street. There were homeless people and people drinking cans. It's hard to know what the solution is to fix it. I know Sunday evening at 6.30pm might not be the best time to judge. We crossed the bridge then to McCurtain Street. That area has huge potential with the work being done there. Then, looking across to the Odlums building and the Keys with the amazing planning after just being granted there, there's so much to be optimistic and excited about. Cork has its problems like most places, but maybe it's magnified more as the city itself is quite small, you see. But Dave says, I love Cork still. Uh, that's nice. Another one here. It's in every town. Once there was a fight in Bandon at 12.30 in the day. They don't care about people and they don't care about kids. They just want to fight. Saw a video at the weekend actually in Bandon where there was a paddy wagon and guards had to be called and everything. And they took a hatchet off some character in the middle of Bandon town. A hatchet. Think of the damage you could do with a hatchet. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Straight to the phone lines. People are kind enough, people are kind enough to hold on for me, but they are under pressure in their own lives. So, Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Just picking up on this with the limited time you have. Go ahead. Yeah, I just, I just want to make a point there about um, the the guard recruitment. Um, I'm just wondering if if maybe think that the the age limit on joining the guardie is actually too low. No, it's at 35 at the moment, as far as I know. Now, any guardie that I've seen on the streets, which you know, by most points this morning, is quite low. The amount of people that are the guardie that are on the streets, but any that I have seen seem to be very young. No, not that that is a, an issue but I'm just wondering and is that the, is that the age if you're 35 years and a day you can't apply to be a guard is it? correct yeah according okay. to the guard website at the moment it's 35 years is the cut off point why is, why, now, is it, why is it so low I mean there are people I, that would be I, ultra fit and they'd be well into their 40s that is exactly going to be my point like most people men and women coming into their you know early to mid 40s prime of their lives would be uh, that that would either fancy a career change, that the Gary may be an attractive proposition for them then, and have at least the bones of 20 years, 21 years, 22 years of working life ahead of them. Absolutely. That put into the Gary. Yep, and if they were, if they were, if they were, if they're really good, they'd be mature enough to realise, listen, I'm actually could be good at this and I could be specifically good in certain areas of it and they might Absolutely. move up through the ranks, you know. And and one or on one other point as well, as regards of, of people joining the Gardaí, if you know whether it still happens now, I'm not too sure. But I've known people that have come out of school and gone straight into the army at eighteen years, nineteen years old. Twenty one years later, at 
39 or 40, they were tired. Like, they are fit, fit people. Like, why these people, like, they, they, like the Gardaí at that age, then, you're retired from the army. The Gardaí, once again, could be a natural, like, whatever, a natural progression. But you're kind of in and around the same lines of work. No, it's security, it's army, it's security of the country. So is the Gardaí. I know, I think you're absolutely right. I think everybody would agree that there shouldn't be a cut-off at the age of 35 for an application absolutely to be a guard. No, I mean, that's too young, way you know, too young. That, that's insane. I mean, you might, you might be very good with regards to and specialise in, in fraud, for instance, you know, or deception, yeah. or you might be very good with regards to specialising in sexual assault or, or murder, which would be slow, um, you know, investigations where there's a lot of processing, a lot of gathering of information, like... Like, what's the problem here, you know? People get smarter with age, I would have thought. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I would say the more mature person, on, we'll say on the streets even, yeah. uh, dealing with crime, I think would be, you know, I just wonder would that make people think that would be a bit, the place would be a bit more safer. Do you think, just before, because I know you, you've got to be gone for quarter yeah. do you think that really one of the biggest issues that a guard on the beat really has doing his or her job is the lack of respect that they have from people not everybody, because the older generations, the more respectful they are. But they see what's happening now. Um, they got cameras stuck in their face. You see the court reports that called every name under the sun. I'm going to rape your mother. I'm yeah. going to kill your children. Oh. I'm going to burn your house down. I'm going to get you. That kind of stuff. Like, if you got that in the workplace, you wouldn't be long quitting. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, all you have to do is look at, there was a, a documentary on TV3 last night at 10 o'clock called Dublin After Dark. And it was following these two Gardaí around dealing with um, uh, drug issues on the streets of Dublin. And the disrespect that these two Gardaí got was absolutely insane. Mm. Like, like one Gardaí car being told to leave a housing estate. Mm. And the person saying, I'm telling you to get out because I'm telling you, you go, off you go, get out. And the Gardaí driving away. There, there's absolutely no respect. And also, you know, I've heard this from the, you know, the, the Garda unions. They've said that many of the members actually would be advising other people, don't join, don't do it. There's got to be a better way. Find another yeah. career path. You know, well, that's it, the reality. It, it, should, it should never be that way. It should never be that way. Like any Garda should be telling people, look, this is a great job. You know, this is where you should be, or this is what you should be yeah, doing. Yeah, but the grief that they put up with is on a different level entirely now. Oh, it is completely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The absolute dregs of grief they get. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Off you go. Brianka, good morning. Hi, morning. Okay. Um, your thoughts on this? Um, I think uh, what, what really put us over, we're, we're a couple. We came from South Africa. We've always kind of wanted to. Join the guard, and we wanted to follow that route and stuff. Did you but, apply? Uh, we, yeah, we did. Okay. We did. Okay. We did both of you? Assessment. Yeah, both of us. All right. What happened? Um. So we were just kind of waiting back to hear from them about like the housing and stuff that they have. Um, obviously, it's all in-house training kind of situation, and we have a toddler, so it's not very accommodating for us at all. Um, especially having a toddler, <laughs> you can't obviously bring her into the into the training facilities and in stuff like that. Temple Ward, no, here. you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that was the difficult the difficult part for us. Okay. Um, did you think about one of you opting out and the other continuing and becoming a guard? No, rather than both of you. 
Um, well, we did really want to do it together, but at at some point we did say, look, if one of us got through and one of us didn't, then the one would do it and we'd kind of all move that side and find a crash and I mean, finding a crash is very difficult too, so. Okay, okay. <laughs> There's too many factors at play play against you. Uh, in the sense that this is a single person's career choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Or somebody without children's... Are, are you suggesting that yeah. Templemore should have a crash? Uh, that, that... Um, not, not a crash. <laughs> um, just maybe, like, different housing, like, options for families that have that have small children that want to be... that want to join the Garda. While doing training? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And did you, like, the actual application, I'm curious because 5,000 applied, uh, yeah. but only 300 actually went to Templemore. Is it a lengthy application? What, what do you have to go through? Um, so you have to obviously send in your application and they communicate with you through the public jobs IE. They send you links to do the assessments and all of that stuff. So you so do, ass- what's an, what, are, what are the assessments? What does that involve? Um, so the first one there is like a numeracy assessment. There's a logic assessment. There's all sorts of assessments, such such like that. So there are lots of and tests. Then you have to pass it. Uh, yeah. Are they you are they reasonably straightforward it. and easy to pass? I'm just wondering is that one of the reasons why so many people um, don't continue? I think they're they're not they're not unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say you'd need that level of skill. To begin with, okay. so I, I definitely don't think that's that that's an issue. It shouldn't be an issue, right? No, okay. it shouldn't. So then you passed all of that. What happens next? Um. So after that, we got a reply, and they were like, "Unfortunately, there is no other housing situations in regarding that." So it was kind of a, "Oh, okay. Well, we're, we're going to give up here then." Okay. <laughs> we might they they, they, they were saying, "Okay, there would be you would live in Tem- Templemore, yeah." But that they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't take your children. Okay. They couldn't accommodate like a ch- like a child. Okay, okay, okay. So for us, it was even the case of we said, "Look, we'll drive into Templemore every day," kind of situation. If if it came to that, but that wasn't an option. Okay, so why didn't one drop out and the other continue? We just kind of wanted to do it together, <laughs> so it would be easy for us to go in together and stuff like that. So it was kind of something we both wanted to do. Okay, okay, didn't work out. All right, thanks, Bianca. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. What's the point of getting more guardy for Cork and better court guidelines like an automatic ten years for drugs of over thirteen grand? Yesterday, a Cork judge sentenced a dealer with over two hundred thousand euro worth of drugs to two years. The guardy are being mocked with sentencing like this. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense if it's uh, over 13 grand, you could give uh, an automatic 10 years, then why would you give two for 200 grand? I had to go to the social welfare office in Cork yesterday and oh my God, I hope I never have to put my foot inside there again. Myself and another girl were the only two normal and Irish people in there. There were four fellas in there from Cork all off their heads with black eyes and stitches skipping the queue and nothing done about it. And the rest of the people in there were all foreign. And before you ask how I know, none of them spoke English. When they are going to, when are they going to put a stop to people coming? Wouldn't it be better if the government stopped giving out free money to foreigners and spent the money on the high drug problem we have in Cork? Now, uh, that's somebody's observation from yesterday, and I'm quite sure that there are others out there who will say, 
that that is a racist comment. Um, mind you, it is a never-changing society. Grand Parade by Centro was like a beer garden yesterday at about three o'clock. I was there. I was. I saw all of that. Not a guard around. What a joke. So much for drinking bylaws. Whatever happened to them, says Paul and Mayfield. Uh, go down to Musgrave Park of an evening. You'll see no shortage of guardie. They must be double time paid also. Can I just say that the likes of, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same for Musgrave Park. It's certainly the same for the Cork Summer Show. The Summer Show pays on Garda Shikona for their Garda presence, I'd imagine. Open to correction on this, it would be the same for Independent Park. My wife saw people throwing cans of beer at a guy in a wheelchair in the North Main Street yesterday, half past four in the afternoon, throwing cans of beer at a disabled person in a wheelchair. Such a cowardly act, isn't it? Uh, there were no guards to be seen. She started a new job in town last December and has to walk up North Main Street every day. She has a new sto- story for me every day from junkies fighting and God knows what else. Never saw a guard in the seven months she's been working there. Um, Again, um, not very comfortable with the use of the word junkies, guys. I don't want to be engaging in sensorial activity with regards to your text, but there's a person behind all of those. Uh, I know it's hard to show compassion to somebody who's throwing beer cans at a disabled person in a wheelchair. Uh, The ones parked outside Debenhams are Roma beggars pretending to be homeless. Did you not know that? Yes, I did. Yesterday, actually, in and around Debenhams, there was a pretty handy trad band playing some decent tunes yesterday lunchtime. Um, 5,000 apply because it's nice to put on the CV. Um, I'm not so sure that that's a good idea to put down that you applied for a guard on your CV, that you applied to become a guard and either failed or you applied to become a guard and you didn't go through with it. Uh, How would that look good on a CV? Is there a way to access the full report of what was assessed in Lisbon for their so-called injection centre visit? Did they also assess the police presence in the city? Comparing Cork to Lisbon from a safety point of view is apples and oranges. I travelled there for work and we do not compare. I've also heard from my Portuguese colleagues that the police there tolerate absolutely no BS. The Drew Harris meeting sounded like a tick-the-box exercise. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I'd agree, disagree with that. I don't think I could have put it better myself. It seems to have been very much choreographed with questions submitted in advance. I want to praise the Gardaí. I was on Oliver Plunkett Street. I was on Oliver Plunkett Street yesterday with my aunt and my uncle. We went to Centra for hot food. There were a number of those on heroin up and down the street. Suddenly, eight Gardaí and a band Gardaí arrived at the scene and dealt with them. One of the band Gardaí got a dig straight into the face. So they are about and doing a great service to the community. Yeah, how about that though? Digging a guard into the face, huh? Uh, text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Corks Red FM. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, the word vigilantism comes to mind, I have to say. Is that what you're planning? Yeah, just before I get to that there, about the incident there about people in wheelchairs being battled like you mean inside in town, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's this individual, but there is an individual, right, in a wheelchair in town, like who the guards even wrote, like, is dealing drugs out of the wheelchair. So all is not what it seems sometimes. And that's why they're battering this individual with cans, is it? Because well, he could I, be... I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that was the individual, but all I'm saying is there isn't a individual... 
and the girls know it, and everyone knows it from certain areas in the city, what he's doing in town every day and what he's up to. And is he uh, legitimately so, disabled or is he using it as a problem? Well, he's, he's, he's disabled now, right? like, I mean, but uh, if you ask people like him in and they know, as the bill says, I know some fellas on the wrong side of the tracks so, now, and uh, they will tell you, like, I mean, that this individual, like, I mean, okay. is in town dealing with yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wasn't aware of that. Okay, thank you for for highlighting. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same individual or not, but uh, well, this is it. You say, okay. but there is there is one individual. Yeah. So you're yeah. putting together yeah. a group of people um, to patrol the city and well, detain we were, troublemakers until the guards come. We were approached there to know we consider this like you mean, and actual fact, the guards actually approached uh, myself. Uh, what was I do know one or two guards and told like you mean, and. Uh, they said they could be actually moved to protest, like, I mean, for them. Imagine a guard asking a member of the public to know. He said, you've been involved in many campaigns now. Would you consider, he said, having a protest for us and our conditions and the way what we have to deal with on a daily basis and the way we've been let down? And his words were, he has no confidence on the current uh, commissioner, he said, because he's not used to what he called Irish policing, this side of the border, he's from another jurisdiction. This is out of the, the mode of the serving guard, right? Now, I've seen girls lately there in town, oh, this is a new phenomenon, right? But the girls know, because there's not enough of them there, No, uh, have to say uh, a kind of a compromise in the street, because I stood and I listened to what was going on with the security from the shop, right? That if we want to rescue and take you in, if you give an undertaking, no, that you will stay out of that premises completely. And then if they get that undertaking, then, and more than nine times out of ten, they do, because I've seen it two or three times, right? They'll just take their names, then, like, but they, the people go on their merry way, then, like... If you move so, on, I mean, so they, that's like, move yeah. on, yeah. So, okay. I mean, what you have now, you have the, the, the legitimate gather force now actually having to bargain in the streets of Cork Lake with criminals. Like, I never thought I would see that there. Is there anyone that, that the guard asked me to know would we protest for them? Ah, yeah, but that was, anyone... that was a guard on a solo run, like, not in any official capacity. Well, as regards the shoplifting? No, as, as regards stage of protest on behalf or a rally on oh, behalf yeah, of the Oh, yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, that will tell you what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, the chats the girls are having themselves like anyone else. Like, your chats with your staff there, like, I mean, what you do and what, what you're going to do at the show, different shows and whatever. The girls are, are no different. They're, they're fed up with it as well. But I mean... T- have but I, the, I'd say they're fed up with the grief that they have to put up with from people. I mean, the Vanguard or a female guard yesterday got smacked in the face, for instance. All this well, gets I mean, spat at. There's a potential that they're going to be hit with yeah. it, going to be... Yeah. St- you're going to be stabbed with a knife or a, a, an if, injection if, or a needle. I remember uh, 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 we said paramedic or a few strike a fire officer. I prefer a member of Gaddy. There should be an automatic man that be sentenced to five years. Simple as that. They have kids calling them pig. Pigs. Yeah, yeah. They have kids making... Like, here's one for you. Uh, you just spoke there, Neil, about the lack of respect for our guardie. I'll give you an example. My husband was on the beat. He's a guard. My husband was on the beat a while back and a child of no more than seven made pig noises at him while he walked past. And what did his parents do? Only laugh. If I'd done that years ago, I'd have had a clip around the ear. With regards to a Garda career being a single person's career, if a married person really wants to, they will do it. My children were young when himself went to Templemore for 32 weeks and we got through it, says a Garda wife. Now, thank you for that. But that's what, what are you going to do when you have kids in single figures, seven or eight years old? Making pigs, pig noises at guards. Well, you see, that this is down to the parents. Again, what kind of parents have they got? Like, I mean, should those parents must. Uh, I wouldn't even call them parents, like, I mean, because they, you couldn't call somebody like that would condone that. 
I mean, and you're standing there and you're trying to But they're rearing children for a serious fall. If a child at six or seven is making pig noises at a guard, they really and truly are going to amount to nothing in life. Yeah. No, as I said, we, we've been approached there, like in some of the members, because we had a sound campaign, the Belgian says no group that time, and to know, could we help out somewhere, some members, or could we organise something? Now, I personally, like uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been contacted through to a party, and um, I meet one woman from the north side, and I escort her into the GPI, we had her side for I go around the shops of her, I do, she does her bits of bobs, I stand at the bus stop and make sure that she gets out of town, because otherwise she's been coming in three years, Neil, and she won't come. She won't come in otherwise. No, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I do another for, for the same for another woman from the, the, the south side, right? But it looks like, I mean, you might have to get more people to do it. And then again, you see, what you've got also, you've got in a daytime economy, you know, where people, I know a lot of people over there, other parents, like the two ladies over there, I mean, they won't come to town anymore, nearly. No, that's wrong. You also have a nighttime economy, like I mean, which any city has to function with a day economy, but you also need a night economy. I know people with very good pensions now, with good disposable income, will not come within the NASA's wall of the fantastic residents that we have up over Cotton Street, or the Trunker Street, and all the the surrounding areas. Some brilliant residents. I know, I know, I know, I know, and I don't want to make things sound worse than they are. I, I spent, um, I think it was a, was, a, was it a Friday night or a Saturday night in the city two weeks ago, and I went to the Mountain Lane. Great buzz. Patrick Street yep. was rocking. Yep. It was yep. six o'clock of a summer's evening. Went over to the Chateau. My God, what a fabulous pub inside and outside. Yep, Everybody great in great business. form. I was chatting great with business. loads of people. Went down to Rossini's, had some of the most fantastic Italian food. Um, no trouble whatsoever. Now, it might be different yep. at 10 or 11 at night, but six o'clock yep. on a Friday or a Saturday, there was just a big, happy vibe. There really yeah, was. The problem every night is, you know, once the town empties out, I mean, the people are there during the day as well causing problems, but when the town empties out at six o'clock, it's like they all come out of the shadows then, and a lot of people are not prepared to come into town. And that's, that's wrong, like, I mean, we should not be afraid to go into our own city. I mean, if that, and the whole thing, it boils down to one thing. And that man was there yesterday, and shame on him that he was walking off a prepared script. That you, there should be members of the public in there yesterday. In fact, he should have been on your programme yesterday, it, dealing with it's you. It's not for the want of ax- asking. Yeah, the, I know, but the, they should, they should be dealing with you, but yeah. also dealing with Carlos, right. ringing in, totally uh, 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 unrehearsed. Un- but the, the bottom line, I'll finish on this. No, no, I, that, need, to, I yeah. need to clarify what you said in a text. You said that um, you're going to get a group like the Balafihan says no to water charges group to patrol the city and detain troublemakers until the guardie come. Is that true well, or not? Well, well, that's that's what's been contacted. We're having chats uh, at the moment about that because look, something will have to be done. Yeah, but you're you're not doing that with the blessing of Angarda Shikana though. Well, no, we don't need anyone's permission to do that. Like, I mean, anyone can do this. Like, I mean, a member of the public, I mean, if you a member of the public in trouble, you go over and you help them out if you can, for God's sake. So, I mean, if people are walking around and if we see missiles, uh, we then call the authorities and they deal with it. I know, well, you can make a citizen's arrest, but the thing is the Gardaí are the main players. That it says detain troublemakers. 
Like, well, this uh, is it, like, yeah, this is it. We saw women being harassed or something there. They will be detained, like, if, there's enough, if we can get enough of us together, like, because at the bottom line, at the end of the day, now, we shouldn't be having this discussion. You said the town can be rocking at times, and it can, and it's a great city. But the problem is, it's the visibility, the lack of visibility of girls on the street. Yeah, this city I was know police that. better in 1970. I know that. It's a different world. Problems. It's a totally different world, and the guard, the challenges for Ungarda Shikana are very different from the policing challenges of the 1970s. But if you rock up to someone who's fighting and they're off their head, right, they turn on you and you make a bad situation worse. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd, you'd have to assess the situation. Like, you I mean, first of all, obviously, you observe and then you call the guardian and then see what plays over. But if you saw a woman being attacked or something, a lily person or something at an ATM, I mean, you'd have, you'd have to do something. You'd then you would intervene. That. I understand. I understand. I have a clearer picture yeah. now. Okay. Thank you, John. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Available now, a brand new podcast. An Irish woman's true story of a life in the fast lane. When I think back at it, it makes me sound like I was the most stupid person in the world. Dozens of connections, hundreds of millions of euro. The level, the depth that this Jamie went through to cover his life is insane. It is street jacket worthy. Insane. Jamie used to always say to me, you couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this up. Officially, Ireland's number one podcast on Spotify. Morning, all text 0868104106. It is illegal to sell alcohol to an intoxicated person, Neil, but it's unenforceable, like on street drinking. Yeah, I mean, you can't just go around and arrest and bring every single person who's either out of their heads drinking or shooting up on our streets or indeed in our car parks over to the Bridewell or over to Anglesey Street or wherever and put them in on a cell because the cells would be full within the end, before the end of the day. What do you do then? Um, traffic wardens are, of course, uh, needed, but it will always be visible. Shame the guards are not visible daily, says Anthony. Uh, what I can't work out is the guardie making a big deal about tax and insurance. And the guardie shouldn't be stopping people for insurance. It should be up to the insurance companies to do this. It just goes to show it's all down to making revenue for the government. The guardie are nothing but tax collectors. Think about what you're saying now. Think, think about that. The state insists that we have a Garda Shikana force, right? We also insist then that we have different divisions within Garda Shikana. And amongst them, we have a division with Garda Shikana to make our roads safe, right? And make people using the roads safe. And with, it, with that comes the responsibility of having tax and insurance. Unless we surrender that model where it comes out of the price of petrol or something at the pumps or whatever... Uh, there will always be a Garda Traffic Division. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't disband a Garda Traffic Corps. It exists. There are members that are just dedicated to that. That's what they do. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be more Garda investigating more crime. The big problem with that, of course, as I said, and I'm blue in the face saying it, our court system, Paul Byrne has said it for years, uh, that the courts should start earlier in the morning. They should run later in the day. Uh, more ducks should be in a row. Defence solicitors and free legal aid issues should be taken more seriously for repeat offenders. There should not be as many suspended sentences as they are. There should not be as many deferrals where things are put back for more reports or we'll visit it again in five or six weeks' time. There should be more of a, um, you know, a criminal justice system that ends up in court and it's dealt with quickly. 
fast. Get it done. If you're innocent, go. If you're not, different matter entirely. Uh, one of the many needless closures and lockdowns was completely shutting the Garda Training College. Now we have a huge deficit in Garda numbers with three to 400 retiring every single year. This is solely, solely due to the government's disastrous COVID policy, which destroyed so much of our way of life, says Sean. Did, didn't it? Um, I guess some of the issues regarding COVID at the time was the unknown and the fear. Um, uh, and a lot of that fear, of course, was unfounded, as it, as it turned out. Uh, many of the policies, I guess, were, were wrong. But it certainly did a lot of destruction, didn't it? Um, I think it improved life in some ways. I think people started to reevaluate their life and their life-work balance. Many people said, sod this, I'm not happy. A lot of people left relationships because they said, sod this, I'm not happy. In reference to the Gardaí on duty at concerts, most of these Gardaí are on overtime and the event organisers pay the Gardaí for their presence so that money doesn't come out of the Garda budget. The majority of the Gardaí that you see on duty in town on Saturday and Sunday nights are also on overtime. If you watch, you'll see them heading back to Anglesey Street Station around 3am in the morning. Yeah, maybe that's the end of their shift or maybe that's primarily when everybody has gone home. Uh, the country is really heading downhill in basic living standards, housing and health and safety. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have been in charge of this country for too long and have steadily destroyed the basics. The problem is they don't see it or admit it and could well still be in tandem and doing the same thing after the next general election. Uh, one or two more. Great points made by your callers. Cork is beautiful, but so run down. Michal Martin, the sitting TDs and ministers have failed the people of Cork. They should be more united rather than pulling things in different directions. Something like the event centre would do so much for Cork businesses, but it doesn't look any closer to completion now than when Enda Kenny turned the sod years ago. Regarding the development of the docklands, the idea is great, but why not look after what we have properly and care for it properly rather than build, build, build? Have a great day, says Pat. Maybe we could do both. Uh, I've worked on Patrick Street for the last 10 years near Burger King. Uh, we're up on the first floor. We see everything. It is awful, but especially bad since after lockdown. It's so unsafe now. We've had people asleep outside our door. Tents and people defecating. So much so, we have made the sad decision to move our business out of the city. Our staff don't feel safe coming and leaving work anymore. We're leaving. Any hour of the day makes no difference anymore. It's awful for tourists and the elderly as they are the most vulnerable. More Gardaí on the beat would be hugely helpful to our businesses, but obviously that's easier said than done. That's sad. Uh, business quitting the city because of issues going on within the city. Uh, I wanted to more. A robust deterrent is the only answer to, say, drug addiction related issues. Take Singapore. No drugs. The city can only cascade in a downward spiral of anarchy and it will escalate as the users escalate. The regular offenders appear to be released via the courts whilst hard-working Gardaí watch them walk freely with a slap on the wrist. They say, ah, you had a bad childhood. We're now close to three generations who have never worked in Cork with no intention of ever working as benefits and the Snowflake Society supports them. Bring back borstals for the youth and possible conscription it would be an interesting kick up the arse for quite a few. It would wake them up pretty fast. Text 0868104106 uh, on that one. And we'll come back to more texts throughout the course of the meeting. We want to go back to the phone lines and return to the joint policing committee meeting yesterday. Councillor Oliver Moran was also there. Oliver, good morning. 
Good morning, thank you. Would just I'm well, thank you. Um, would you say it was a bit of a box ticking exercise if all of the questions had to be submitted in advance and there was no Q and A or no rebuttal opportunities to chat things through? Yeah, look, it, it was my first time attending that committee. I, I'm not a member of that committee, so I I, I hadn't attended before. Uh, but I I had heard you know through other people speaking about it that that it it. it it does seem to be quite a weak committee in the sense that, you know, the, the engagement that it has and, and the, the amount of, of change that can come out of it. it that, that was generally the, the sense I was getting. Um, and, yeah, it was. I, I wasn't the only person who was disappointed yesterday um, with the, the level of engagement with, with the commissioner. Um, he, he was, look, he was there for an hour. Uh, he, he answered the questions that, you know, were put to him in the hour. Uh, but he, he was gone then and, and there was no forward and back and even even the asking of the questions, I mean, the, the, you know, I, I submitted two questions. Other people submitted the same things. Uh, we didn't get through them all. Um, and and in the time that he was there, uh, the people who submitted the questions actually didn't even read them out. They were read out on their behalf, and he, and he just answered them. And, and then after the time, oh, you're, you're joking. A third party read the question. The, the, the chairperson. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Yes. Look, it, it wasn't very engaging in that way. Um, and I, I think that there's a lot of questions that you know could be asked could be teased through um you know like like what you've been reading out there i my i i had two particular questions that, that I, I i wanted to dig in one was about um ideas that you, you have in in other countries of there being two levels of policing one being let's say the gordy who, who deal with what you might call crime um you know serious crime um and 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 his social behavior in that um and, and then also uh, more we say local authority driven policing um you know for for handling you know policies that's relevant to to the city um and the city being able to drive a, a policing um policy as well um so that was one question the other question i want to ask him was about how the gorvi see the, see their role in relation to climate action um what it, it's, what? It's, what the heck it, is that about it, 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 it does have a role. I mean, for example, in, in, in policing bus lanes and policing cycle lanes and in, in ensuring that uh, you know, walkways are, are, are free. Uh, there's talk about uh, public transport policing as well to ensure that the buses and, and, and trains are, are safe places to be. So there is, there is a policing element. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily jump out at you, but there is a policing element to climate action. On the scale of a wish list, no, I accept that we need to have yeah. public transport that's safe for all users, yeah. whether it's a train or a bus or the soon-to-come Lewis, whenever that will be. And, and you know, yeah. I, I get that we have, uh, some might suggest, a blight of cycle lanes and what have you, but that's the new world we live in. But what people only want, really, they just want more visible Gardaí on our streets. Yeah. It's not yeah. rocket science. And, and, and I think, look, he, he wasn't, for the first question I asked about uh, you know, establishing you know local authority police forces, like in other countries. Well, he he wasn't on for that. But what I think one of the reasons to do it is because it it might free in some ways the the Garvey to concentrate on that sort of you know that that sort of we would say you know traditionally what you think of as crime, um, and then freeing up Garvey and letting the city deal with you know softer elements of, of policing, you know, like like transport policing, like. Uh, community policing, um, and and you you can have two different forces, one concentrating on on one element like you're describing there, and another being able to concentrate on on another element. Um, and and interestingly enough, afterwards I, I had to leave the, the joint policing committee before it finished. Now and it, it went on for two hours before I had to leave. Um, but I, I there was a transport committee meeting afterwards, 
Um, and a, a big debate at a transport committee meeting was a, a related to policing. It was to do with uh, fines for parking on footpaths and for for for, for blocking uh, you know, bus lanes and so on. Um, and interestingly, we. we, we it, it, something to come out of that was we, we seem to be in a position now where traffic wardens are self-financing. Um, uh, so we're, we're debating whether to, to ramp up that element. And then, you know, if you ramp up what? The, More uh, traffic wardens? Number n- number of of, uh, of traffic wardens. Um, All right, so hara- if, harassing if, if, harassing guys in uh, DPD vans and people trying to do uh, plumbers trying to repair pipes and electricians I, trying to fix wiring inside in the city. And, Giving them grief and finding them trying to go about their job, is it? I, 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 there, there's a big problem, particularly with, with footpaths being blocked. And it's, it's, it's affecting people in wheelchairs, it's affecting older people, it's affecting people with, with, with you know, sight visions um, that you can't walk around your, your, your city without having to step out on the road and the, and the dangers involved in that. Okay. Um, and, yeah. and it, it, you know, there's a huge amount of money spent on, on different active travel uh, measures, not only cycling, but, but also bus lanes and, and, and improved footpaths. And if we get into the habit of parking on those things and thinking, oh, these are just additional parking spaces, that's just money wasted. Um, so it, it was from that perspective. But it, it's, if you stand back and look at it, that's two different aspects of policing. And, you know, I, I've gotten on to the Garvey, you know, when there would be issues at night time to do with, with, with you know, parking in this way. Um, and, and in fairness, I can understand they see it as, as taking away from from their main thrust of their work. Now they do they do act on us when when needs to be, but I think also there's a role there for for the city in okay. you know doing more out of all okay. work as well. Okay, okay, like you remember the Green Party, right? I can understand why you would talk about you know cycle lanes and climate change and issues regarding footpaths and footpaths being blocked, but you never once yeah. talked about the blight of drugs or homelessness. You never once talked about the criminality in the city. You never once no, talked we, we about did. people I, afraid I, I, to come into the city. Yeah, in, in fact, I, I had a motion that was, that was passed by, by the council to do with uh, drugs uh, and, and addiction at the last meeting of council. It, 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 was, it was something that, that we debated for quite a while okay. on the approach to, to drugs in the city. And it was something that came up with the JPC yesterday too um, in taking a more health-based approach okay. because the, the, let's say the criminal justice system approach, I don't think it's serving anyone. I don't think it's serving the, the people who um, are you know, suffering from addiction. Um, and the issues, the serious social issues that go along with that. Um, and in fairness to Cork um, and the police here in Cork as well, the, the chief superintendent who was, who was at the, the JPC yesterday um, and all of the officials in the council working together, we are, I think, taking a much more progressive approach uh, towards that in Cork City, where we're looking at things like safe injection centres, where we're already discussing uh, as part of the Citizen Assembly on drugs use about you know leading forward on on a, on a health based approach and moving away from that criminal justice approach. I hope it hasn't I been left too late. Uh, the injection centre is something we'll be returning to again. Just just before yeah. I let you go, this is unprepared and, and it's off script, but you are aware of Barry Rowe. Um, forced out of business, they're winding down, yet we sit on at least 300 million barrels of oil. Some say it could be as high as a trillion. Your boss, Eamon Ryan, for some reason, sounds quite misguided to many people, has said that we cannot drill for oil. But yet everywhere all over the world, including the UK, that's ramped up drilling for oil again, all over the coastline, are doing things entirely differently. Are you, do, you, do you think this was a justifiable move to say no Whatever's there, we won't drill for it in the middle of an energy crisis, and yet it's our oil. 
Well, first of all, I, I don't believe that there's enough out there, to be honest. They, they wouldn't you don't believe the amount? I, I, I don't. You know, I've, I've heard this for many years, that there's this many billion, there's many billion oils. It, it, never, it never transpires. But no matter what, the future is in oil. And Cork's future is in a green energy, you know, using offshore wind in Cork Harbour, which the port of Cork um, and uh, the Department the, the of Energy are really involved in developing. And we, we have signed this year a memorandum of understanding between Port of Cork and, uh, the, the, and the Netherlands uh, about uh, developing offshore wind to generate green hydrogen here in Cork to export around the world. And that's where the future is. That's, that's, that's our export in the future. Um, so why does, a, why does so many different countries see it entirely differently and they say it's there I do, I, and we will I use don't, it? I don't, I don't so we'll import it otherwise and just leave our own there? No, I, I, I don't think otherwise. I don't think other countries do see it differently. Um, I, I don't believe, and I, I think that this is the same true across the world. The future is not in oil. Like we, we can see from the last weekend, and it's torrential rain around the country, and uh, the climate change is happening. The effect is happening on on everyone, um, and the the future isn't in adding to that. The future is is in a green energy future, and Cork's future as well. This is not. You know, something to do with with, with press releases like you hear uh, from from oil companies, um, and which I've heard for a decade uh, off the shore corks saying that you know they they'll you know any moment now we'll discover oil, any moment now we'll discover oil. It never which was that. there. It's but, it's but, off but, but sale, is, man. There's but, but, millions but barrels there? of it. But what is there is an abundance of wind that we can use to create green hydrogen to to produce our own fuel and into export across the world. Okay, all right. Thanks for that. Much obliged, Councillor Oliver Moran of the Green Party. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Some great prizes this week for Photo Wildlife Park, which incidentally is celebrating 40 years of conservation. Um, and this, uh, this weekend, they're having a big carnival-style celebration to celebrate those 40 years. So between the 23rd and 25th of June, that's this weekend. It is carnival time down at Photo Wildlife Park. You should be amongst them for the weekend to celebrate. You can walk amongst the animals from all over the world at Ireland's wildest attractions. There are one or two you won't be walking too close to, and that would be the likes of uh, the lions and tigers, but um, all the others then, up close and personal, as you can visit and celebrate. And we've got great prizes to give away this week, including every day, two annual passes per day uh, for photos. So this pass will be for the entire year. It's a family pass. And then on Friday, a VIP tour, a private tour, and a two-night stay overnight in the four-star Oriel House Hotel, two nights, with dinner on one night for a family of two adults and up to three children. They will also give you a picnic to enjoy, and I suppose you could head off for the beautiful, tasty Oriel House Hotel picnic to photo. So every single day we're featuring a different film and character, okay, and it would be to do with wildlife and the great outdoors. Uh, you need to identify the film and the character. So this is today's chosen film and character. Don't call just yet. It'll be sometime between now and midday today. But this is what you need to identify. Now it's like this, little britches. All you gotta do is look for the bare necessities. And off he goes. I love it. So the character and indeed the film. Listen out for this cue to call. When you hear this cue to call, it's your cue to call 0818104106 and give me the answer to that clip, the um, movie and the character. Here's the cue to call for today. Yesterday it was a lion. What'll it be today? <laughs> Hello? 
A monkey. I know someone will say, that's not a monkey, that's a chimpanzee. It's one or the other, but this is the cue to call when you hear it again. Pick up the phone on... All right, pick up the phone on 0818-104-106 and we'll come back to it. You know, interestingly, we have Garda Reserves as well. You remember the Garda Reserves that were announced there some years ago? Uh, I just saw a a graph of um, the amount of reserves that we have across the country, but we're primarily interested in Cork because at the end of March, the number of Garda reserves uh, stood nationally at 371. That's less than a quarter uh, of what it was in 2014. Um, Cork City had a high. When it came to Garda reserves, 2013 was when we peaked at at 73. So in 2013, we had 73 Garda reserves. Uh, Now Cork City has 28. So it's gone from 73 I don't know why. I don't know what the reasons are behind that. But it uh, seemed at the time like a very good idea. A Garda Reserve who would have some powers, um, would be like part-time Garda, if you like, but but yet in uniform, looking slightly different. But why would it go from 73 in, say, 2013 to 28 in 2023? But unfortunately, the same uh, can be said about actual full-time members of the Guards. They're down as well. Uh, in Cork uh, at a time when of course uh, we need more and there's more retiring now than are being hired unfortunately text 0868 106 uh, pick up the phone on 0818 106 you can also email neil at redfm.ie I'm Lana O'Connor Red FM News is first for local national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie now Show. Earlier, earlier this morning, I was talking about the top of the um, top of the popular clogs songs. It's a story from the Sun today. They did some research into the most popular funeral song. Right? Let's say it was um, you know you're coming down in the in the coffin from the church, and they're allowed to play a song, or somebody plays a tune for you as you're going out, or it could be at the at the graveside or in the crematorium. The most popular one used to be Frank Sinatra's "My Way." Uh, but it's been bumped apparently in the latest research survey that says it's time to say goodbye by Sarah Brightman and Andre Bocelli. So that's the one they're going for. More people have instead opted to play that classical weepy instead of um, My Way, which was number one. There are others, of course. Bed Middler's The Wind Beneath My Wings, We'll Meet Again, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, You'll Never Walk Alone, All Things Bright and Beautiful Abide With Me, and Dancing in the Sky by uh, Danny and Lizzie. That was the top ten. So it's it's interesting to see new songs in there that you wouldn't have heard of before. So I was asking you guys, and I read out a list of songs from listeners to this program earlier on this morning. Here's some more of them. Goodbye, my old friend. The likes of Mike Denver and Tommy Fleming sang it. Uh, in a Lifetime by Clonard and Bono. Uh, Jealous of the Angels by Donna Taggart. Uh, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. <laughs> I like that one. Um, Ed Sheeran's Supermarket Flowers is a good song for a funeral. It always reminds me of my mother who passed away last December. Um, Tony Orlando and Dawn had a hit with a song called Knock Three Times. <laughs> like the woman in the news from Ecuador. Thank you for that text. Uh, You're Going Out the Same Way You Came In by Tom Jones is my one. Uh, This Girl is on Fire by Alicia Keys. My sister-in-law wants to be cremated and wants that played. Uh, Spirit Walker by The Cult. Somebody else wants My Way played on the violin. Uh, Keep the Home Fires Burning 
will be my R.I.P. song, Neil, recorded by John McCormack. Uh, my funeral song is Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper or Frank Sinatra's My Way, says Susan. So she's got two to pick from. My funeral song, I Get Knocked Down, But I Get Up Again. That's Tub Thumping by Chubba Wamba. Uh, maybe, the song Maybe, the theme song from Grizzly Adams, Tom Pace had a hit with that. Uh, just another few, and there are many of them, ACDC's Highway to Hell is my chosen song. <laughs> what kind of a life have you led that you think you're on the highway to hell? Mine would be True Friends by Jerry Fish and the Mudbug Club. Mother, morning, my mother had Sweet Sixteen by the Furies and Love is All Around by Wet, Wet, Wet. In the crematorium, everyone sang along to the Wet, Wet, Wet song and the feeling of love in the room was amazing. Even the staff there said that is how it should always be done. It was amazing, says Catherine in Friars Walk. And then Marie Lynch wants Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. And here's one of the most beautiful songs that was ever written by Johnny Dewan. Christy Moore's The Voyage is my funeral song, says Anne. And one final one. My funeral song will have to be Benny King, the song Stand By Me. The reason for this, I was 11 years of age when I first saw the coming-of-age movie Stand By Me. That was when I discovered boys, especially the character of Chris Chambers, played by the late River Phoenix. It also reminds me of a time when life was carefree, with no worries about bills or making sure the door was locked at night. My only worry back then was hoping that the weather would be good so I could get out on my BMX bike. I actually watched that movie so much as a preteen that I think I could actually act it out backwards. Uh, can't go on air at work, but I love the show. You get me through the morning, says Sharon. Well, you know, texts like yours get me through the morning as well because it's a beautiful text, and thank you for sharing it. Go rest on the mountain. Sorry, go rest on that mountain by Vince Gill. So that's the selection. Keep them coming. Text your funeral song, your goodbye song, uh, to 0868 104 106. Lots to do between now and midday. I need to mix it up as best I can. I put some questions there to Oliver Moran of the Green Party with regards to the Barry Row oil field. Seems as if the last chapter in that book has been written because Barry Row of the southwest coast of Ireland, off the county of Cork, is winding down the business. So whatever oil is out there shall remain there. And of course, this is a, a green initiative. Oliver Moran is saying on behalf of uh, the likes of Eamon Ryan, that the future is in wind and not oil. The man that I've spoken to on this topic on a number of occasions in the past is Michael O'Connell. He joins me by phone. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. couple of different points here. Certainly the Green Party say wind is the future and not oil. But can I ask you, what do you think is the estimate amount of oil in numbers of barrels in the Barry Row site? Well, it's very clear. Uh, PwC and um, Davies, both of them have looked at the seismic findings. It's the biggest hydrocarbon prospect in all of Europe. There's hundreds of billions of oil, and oil is still our major source of energy. Would you say 300 million barrels? Well, I'm, um, I haven't got the exact figure, and no one has, but it is full of oil. No, it's just and if I read, I read a figure that many people seem to be agree, agreed on, 278 million barrels of oil estimated. Well, you know, that is an incredible oil reserve. How long would that last when, us if we, if let's say in terms of usage, how long would that last? Um, I, I don't know, I'm not an expert in that. But also remember, 
there's hundreds of billions of cubic feet of gas, which is also terribly important. And bear in mind, we're spending 10 billion a year in the importation of oil and gas. And for the Green Party to block this on the excuse that the company Barry Road doesn't have money, which is an absolute preposterous statement. Why, they do, is it? Look, the minute that was announced in the Doyle by the present um, Taoiseach, uh, Leo Varadkar, when he said that both himself, and I'm quoting, this was published, it's in the public record, he stated, Leo Varadkar, that he nor Eamon Ryan were blocking the um, issue of the extraction licence. But, but he, but Eamon Ryan denied Barry Rowe the opportunity to drill by not giving them a license, isn't it? Yes, and the excuse he's given is that they don't have money. But the board of Barry Rowe came out in a creditor's voluntary liquidation statement, saying that they had funding. They had forty million euro held on deposit in an escrow account, ready to draw down. Absolutely, and on top of that. If Eamon Ryan and his Green Party had any brains at all, they would know that once the announcement was made that a licence was going to be issued for the extraction, there would have been a tsunami of funds pouring into the company. True, 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 true. If you take the American bank, um, Bank of New York, Mellon and, and, and Statsbank, both of them have seven trillion in funds. And speaking to fund managers there, they would have told their customers invest in Barry Row. And you it you you never, know that. You've spoken to fund managers about that. I've, I've, I've spoken to fund managers. And you know, any person with a brain would know that. And it's it's incredible. So Barry Rowe have now come out and said, in consequence, Ireland has lost an opportunity to improve Ireland's energy security, to reduce the emissions associated with importing oil and gas, to to provide employment for many people and huge future tax revenues to the state. All at no cost to the public purse. At no cost. And if the Green Party had its interest in renewable energies and in global warming. They would get their act together with plantation. We are the worst country in all of Europe for planting trees. Yeah, yeah. And it is in their portfolio. And they, say the, they, say, they say the future is wind. Is wind. But did you see the report that came out in the, um, um, in the business post? Wind at the moment, if we were dependent on it, the cost is 150 euro per kilowatt, three times more than North Sea wind. The costings are wrong, and that is a scary. That is yeah, a scary yeah, point. Yeah. You must be very disappointed, and I think angry in the sense that you were saying. Oh, how, how can yeah, how can one you know, man have so much power? Is that what you're saying? power. He's power hungry. He doesn't have the interests at heart. He's power hungry, that man. And um, he has held the whole country to ransom. As one member of the Doyle said to me, 
he'll bring the government down rather than lose power. And everyone wants to hold on to their jobs. I think it is a time for Sinn Féin to stand up and be counted and join with the major parties in running this man out of, out of government. Mm, mm, mm. You, you, you know, at the same time, we, we do need to move away from fossil fuels, right, and find cleaner energy sources at the same time. Maybe he's the stick to beat us and that we need the likes of Eamon Ryan to keep us conscious of the fact that we need to move away. We need to start by using hybrid cars. We move to move eventually to electric cars, to wind and things like that. You know, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with you. But we are a long way from getting there. A long way. In, at the moment, we're still dependent. And you know that uh, quite recently, when uh, during the um, early parts of the month, there was a number warning on electricity because there was no wind. And yeah. even though wind is marginal at the moment yeah. uh, for our energy requirements. When it was very still, the wind didn't blow, and we had a number warning. So for the, few, for, for the foreseeable future, we need both, do we, uh, before we ultimately oh, we only have one? Yes, we need both, absolutely. But there's a transition period that Eamon Ryan is refusing to look at. And bear in mind, we're still spending $10 billion on the importation of fossil fuels. I'm sitting in a car here, depending on fossil fuels. If I have electric, if I have an electric car, I might make it to Dublin because where do I get um, a recharge? Oh, it's, it's it's far from ideal just yet. Yeah, um, yes. but 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 this is a this is a fait accompli now. The opportunity's gone. It's not reversible. The decision's been made. Well, and Barry Rowe have said we're off. I would still hope that our government would have another look at this and say, are we, is this definitely going to happen? I made the other point is, why doesn't the government sell, sell this um, prospect? It's worth billions. Mm. Couple of texts to Eamon Ryan and the Green Party have forced a company and Cork jobs into jeopardy because of their ideology. Remember them when they come looking for your vote. And Pat says, regarding Barry Rowe, get rid of one job, Eamon Ryan, and save many other jobs as a consequence. A couple of texts there for you. Um, thanks, Michael, as always. Uh, this is the latest update Thank with regards to Barry Rowe. Michael O'Connell by phone, text 0868 104 I mean, we touched on electric cars there some weeks back. In fact, I think I moved off the topic way too fast because there was an awful lot of people who had electric cars and felt that they had been sold a pup. It started with Greg Canty from Fusion PR who actually bought an electric Jaguar and within a space of a few months had given it back and changed it and traded it in and went back to, don't know if you go to petrol, you might have gone to petrol hybrid, uh, but certainly with regards to issues involving range and price and charging time and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, not everybody was very happy with it. I think hybrid probably is the first baby step to take, isn't it? Where you've got maybe a range of about 50 or 60 kilometres on electric and for longer journeys then um, you kick into petrol. But say for around town, you're trying to keep emissions down with regards to city and suburban areas. You're literally driving on electric. Uh, text 0868104106. So pick up the phone like Tony did. 0818104106. Tony, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, so what are we back to uh, fossil fuel versus electric or what? Well, this is, I'm using this since last year. It's called HVO. 
Cytro treated vegetable oil, it's not a fossil fuel, it's manufactured. No, this is due to be manufactured in Ireland from January 2024. Some oil refinery has got a licence. My only problem with it is the cost. It's it's about five or six cents more expensive than diesel. But there's absolutely no emissions from it. Why would you bu- why would you go for something that's actually de- dearer than diesel or petrol? It's, it's much cleaner for the, for the for the environment and it's much better for the car or, or the jeep. Okay. It's where the injectors, the pump, all that stuff would, would you'll get away longer. It, I'm using this stuff since last year. It's the same colour as water. It's odorless. And where do you get it's it? Like do you do you, pe- you pull it you, in a petrol st- petrol pump yes, and get vegetable you, oil? I, I get it blowing uh, carry tool in McGuggan's Isle. They have, they have a pump and then it's due to be rolled out uh, in the city. There's a storage facility in Ringeskiddy at the moment holding 80 million litres of this product. From, 20, from 2030, 25% of all aviation in the world will be run on this particular fuel, but it's a different grade. It's so it's called, fossil-free biofuel made from... Uh, it's made from plants, animals and algae. Animal waste and algae is what it's made from. Okay, okay. It's manufactured. It, at the moment, it's being brought in from Romania. I'm led to believe this stuff was initially developed by two brothers in Ireland. And back to the Green Party, they couldn't get a licence to manufacture it in Ireland. So it was taken over to Romania and they cannot manufacture suppose, it so quick enough. I suppose the Greens just have a pro- problem with engines, don't they? Regardless of what's well, fueling them, like they want everything to be I, silent. I, I, I challenge anybody to a test. I'll bring my car out to, your, out to, out to Red FM tomorrow morning or any morning and I'll start the engine. And if you see black smoke or blue smoke coming out, I, I, I'd be really, really surprised. So are you doing it for the environment or are you doing it for the wear and tear of your engine? My, which? It, it helps my engine and it helps the environment. Okay, okay. But it, like, there's no reason why the government couldn't reduce the price of this fuel by 10 cents to make it cheaper than diesel. So at the moment it's 10 cents a litre dearer, is it? No, it's about 5 or 6 dearer, but if they All reduced right. it... By 10 would be an incentive for people to drive the carry tool to get this fuel. Okay. I know people have converted their motor cars and some taxis as well to, to gas. Gas, yes. But you, you still have to start the car on petrol. And it, it, gas won't work with diesel. There's a different flashpoint. Okay, so for a petrol car, though, uh, you'd have like, to... Yeah. The Musgrave fleet now from yesterday morning, they run over 100 lorries in Cork. All their trucks are running on HVO from yesterday. There's no, you don't have to get the engine modified. You don't have to get anything done. This stuff can go straight into your diesel tank. There's no modification. It's just the price. Okay, the so there's no modification the to a diesel engine, no. but you can use no. the hydro-treated vegetable oil straight in. No bother. Straight in. Okay. We're using it now on three or four vehicles in the wholesale since last October. All right, okay. And we've had no... Even in the NCT, though, when we took cars for NCT there in January... And one of them had failed last year on emissions. This year, the two of them just flew through. It's a different, different... And are Circle K rolling them out then as well, yeah? Yes, and like, there's a queue in the Goggins for it every okay. day. Okay, it's well, it's, good, it's, it's, it's good, good to learn something new every day. Um, do you have thoughts on the fact now that we're definitely not going to be drilling for nearly 350, 400 million barrels of oil off West Cork? Neil, as long as the Green Party are in power, the country is going to be the way it is. They have the country destroyed. Like, the reason that insulation, I was talking to a supplier recently, the reason insulation is so expensive because it takes an awful lot of energy to make insulation. 
to reason toilets and, and anything made in a kiln is so expensive. It's energy and it's the Green Party are putting tax upon tax upon tax. I was in Belfast recently and I could buy a bag of Polish coal for £20 sterling. I can't buy it in Dundalk. Why? I, because it's not a load. Because I'm back in the, in the, 26, in the 26 counties and yet I can buy it in Armagh. It's nuts. Well, well you're talking the difference between smokeless and smoky coal. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. But like you, 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 you can buy it on one side of the border and you can't buy it on the other side of yeah, the border. Yeah, well, unfortunately, and, different jurisdictions. Like, I, I have a place back in Glen Bay and I can't buy turf unless it's Polish turf in Glen Bay. I can't buy... Polish turf? Yes. It's been imported from, from Polish turf. It's been sold in the co-op in Kerry. Not, not Irish turf. Uh, it's not turf, though. It's briquettes, right? Well, it's the same product. It's a byproduct of, of turf. Yeah, but turf is rough and ready and it's cut in the yes. bog and you can tell turf. Yes. You're talking about yes. a briquette that's very much moulded. Yes. Yeah, OK. Yes, but like the difference is neither born in turf for thousands of years. It does nothing to... Like, don't people really but you think, do know that if you wanted to get turf in Glen Bay, you could get it, like? Oh, well, OK, I know, but like... It's, but you'd be breaking the law because yes. you'd be paying for it. Yeah, but my, my, my point is we're a tiny... Dot and one part part of the world. All right, okay. And yes, well, like we're so we're so entrenched with the Green Party and energy, energy, and keeping our carbon footprint down. There's a huge opportunity here to drop the price of HBO by ten cents, and we could be a world leader in using it in let, Ireland. Let me talk to Alex because she's with McGuckian Oil down. Where'd you say it is? Carrick Tool, is it? Carrick Carrick Tool. All right, okay. I've got Alex on the phone. Thank you, Tony. Cheers, my man. Thank Alex, me. good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Good. Alex? How's how's it going for you with the HVO? Do you know what? It's getting very popular at the moment. Like, people are kind of uh, moving into this more and more, to be honest. It's still quite expensive, so that they're, they're, it's not very, very popular, but our sales are actually not too bad on it, to be honest. Okay, so that would be for anyone with a diesel engine can put the vegetable yeah. fuel, if you like, in but without... It's, yeah, go on. It's not the kind of vegetable oil. It's a hydro-treated vegetable oil. Oh, I know, so, I know that it's not yeah, straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah. kind of um, viscous-looking stuff. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's like it's water, but, the, but it's from animal waste and plant waste. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to adapt your engine or anything if it's no, a diesel in it goes. No, no, you don't have to do that. Not at all. No. And is it cars or vans or trucks you or can, what? Yeah, you can use it in the cars. You can use it in the vans, or you can use it in the machines as well because it comes in the option like the agricultural diesel as well. So you what? have uh, HVO Green, which is called, which is like the ordinary, which which will replace the sulfur-free gas oil. You know, the agricultural diesel as well. Okay, okay, and it's seventy to ninety percent less emissions than normal fuel. But That's for right, some extraordinary yeah. reason, it's dearer than normal fuel. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, I do. I know what you mean, Neil. It's just, uh, I think it's something about the government. I'm not really sure about how the price is actually done for that. But I think there's still some taxes on it which government puts on. To yes, to yeah. That, that are actually put into the ordinary diesel as well. But wouldn't you think, I mean, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if they subsidise the price of it to encourage yeah. people to move away from regular diesel to 90% less emission um, exactly. HVO fuel. 
yeah, it will actually make a big difference, you know, for the for everything. And there's no really modification you have to do, as we said, it to the to the engine, and it has a great shelf life as we are as well. Um, for and it has less, very less, very small sulfur content as well, and everything. So it's it's the emissions are like around. Um, yeah, about 80% less, okay. so it will be very, very good, actually, okay. if the government will do something about they it. They should no? do something about yeah, it, and the Greens absolutely. should be leading that agenda if they want people yeah. to burn less fossil fuels. And just, just one yeah. or two more questions. Where does it come from? Uh, I think it's imported from England at the moment. Okay, because somebody said it comes all the way from Romania or something. Oh, I never heard about that. Okay. Uh, I, I, I don't have that information. To be honest with you, I don't want to put down, put, give you a false information as well, but I think it's coming in from UK as well. I'm not really sure. I, I'm not 100% sure about this. So I don't want to put, like, just to tell you the false information here. Okay, know. much obliged. Thank you. I'm going to talk to Pat Mernan on the subject. Thank you, Alex at McGuckian Oil in Carrick Tool at the moment. They are selling it. Uh, it makes no sense to me that something that would be 90% less problematic with regards to emissions um, is dearer than normal fuel and the government don't say, hang on a second, we are going to subsidise this for people with diesel engines because they're trying to get rid of diesel, right? So this would be a good way to start if they got their head on the right way around. Uh, anyway, let me go back to the phone lines. Pat Monan. Pa- Pat Mernan is with the Three Oil Group. He actually supplies Alex at McGuckian Oil and Carry Tool. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Great. Now, go- better for talking to you because you're the first company <laughs> in Ireland to bring this into the country, is it? Yeah, I suppose, look, opportunity knocks at unusual times and we had a call from our partners in GBF who have recently opened the new storage facility in Ring of Giddy, um, the 50 milliliter storage facility that's kind of coming under the radar a little bit but getting bigger all the time. Yeah. Opportunity came to us two years ago to be the first company to help them get HBO into the country. Uh, we were the first mineral oil trader in Ireland to do so. And it's grown from there. I suppose we're dealing with bigger and bigger companies all the time. It's the it's the big corporate companies are kind of jumping on the bandwagon at the moment. Why though? Why, why would they want to spend more money on fuel? I suppose it comes down to corporate corporate social responsibility, Neil. You know, we all have we all have targets that we need to hit. We're all trying to do better. The Green Party are trying to make us, I suppose, be more more efficient and more economical and more environmentally friendly. I suppose it's up to us and, and those bigger companies to fly the green flag and to lead from the front. Companies such as, like, there's a large courier company, I won't name them, they're using this in all their haulage around Ireland um, to reduce their footprint in a really viable alternative way. In fairness to Alex McGuckin, I'll probably be talking to Alex after this call. We we talk to each other about HBO quite often. They they've been she gave she gave a fantastic explanation of the fuel. It's widely available. It offers an immediate ninety percent reduction in CO two emissions versus diesel. And the waste it, material from which it comes from. I'm not me saying anything here. It's 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 animal product. It's plant product. So the main, it's the main source feed meal is um is cooked is vegetable oil, cooking oil. What's most important to remember that though is there was a bit of bad press recently around. THBO around things like palm oil and using virgin crops, so growing crops, especially for this fuel. This particular HBO, it's credited and audited by the ISCC, which is a European-wide standard, and it is made 100% from waste product. So there's no crops being grown for it. That we all hear bad things about palm. You're oil. saying used no cooking oil, oil, is it? Used cooking. The used cooking oil, animal fats and tallows. I'll be darned. And where's it come? Where's it originate from? So, point of origin for the refinement process is actually in Rotterdam. So, it's then it's it's a Nestle product. So, they'd be one of the biggest refiners in the world. 
it's been shipped. It was being shipped to the UK, and then we were bringing it one tanker at a time for the last two years across the Irish Sea, which was a labour-intensive process. We brought in nearly 10 million litres, I suppose, in the last two years. And then that all changed with the opening of Ring of Skiddy. Ring of Skiddy is really the jewel in the crown. And is, Port of Cork, yeah. Port of Cork should really be proud of what they've done. Very it's a 50 million litre facility. So what we brought in in two years, one tanker at a time, 40, 39,000 litres at a time, was blown out of the water with one shipment in the Ring of Skiddy. There, it really is, and Cork, Cork should be spearheading this and pushing this forward to actually to HBO offer real savings it's sitting on our doorstep and I suppose ourselves Mugucky and Oil and fairness to them one or two other providers so, as well we're ready to go in Cork and ready to supply So why if it's 90 if it's anywhere between uh, 70 to 90% more planet friendly with less emissions why is it dearer and why isn't it being subsidised why isn't the Green Party leading some campaign to make it cheaper? That's a question, I suppose, for our local representatives. Um, in fairness to them, a lot of them have come on board with us and have helped us to work on things like excise duty and rebates, which is coming through the pro- which are coming through the process at the moment. I think, look, realistically, looking at things like HBO, it is more expensive than diesel. It is trading higher. Waste vegetable oils are more valuable than diesels at the moment. But as that time progresses, as they change the way they refine the actual fuel and categorise waste for this, that will change and you will hopefully see more of a move towards a level playing field with fossil fuels. Yeah, but I think a lot of people with diesel engines would rush to it if the government said, we have a climate improvement agenda yeah. and this is a step in the right direction. We are think, going to subsidise 50 cent on the litre, for instance. Yeah, it's, it's a very easy win for people, Neil. Do you know, if the facilities are there, if the fuel is available widely on forecourts, we have it on a forecourt ourselves in Skibbereen. Um, McGuffey and I have it on a forecourt in Cork. Serta also have it on a forecourt in Cork. It is available on forecourts. I think if it was more widely available, yeah, it's a quick win for people because electrification doesn't work everywhere. You know, I think it's also worth acknowledging as well Companies like Firebird and Balaborni have done fantastic work to actually research and R&D this, that fuel pumps and or air-to-water pumps and solar and geothermal, it's not the answer for everything. It doesn't, it's not a silver bullet, and neither is HBO. But what it is, is what, what it needed is, I suppose, a gathering of all these solutions to reduce the carbon impact. Yeah, good stuff. Continuing success with it. You seem to be going from strength to strength, Pat. Thanks for taking Thanks, the man. call. Pat Mernan, with 3 Oil Group, uh, who imported into the country via Ring of Skiddy. So you learn something new every day. One quick call. I need to take an ad break, guys. Just a call from Johnny. Johnny, good morning. Well, good morning. Uh, green energy will never work. Why? Because, Neil, like, if you think about it, like, the wind turbines, you, the amount of work, like, I, I do, we're civil work there for the SB, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, we were down in, um, we were down in Meal and down in West Cork there a few months ago, fixing turbines because the, um, a few of them went down, like, and they were down for about three weeks. But a fellow was telling me, like, it takes a million euro to set up one turbine. And that turbine then, it, it takes like for 20 years to make back anything, any profit out of the turbine. Okay, per turbine it takes 20 years to repay the 1 million, yeah? So, okay. And then after the 40 years of the lifespan of the turbine, you cannot recycle the blades of the turbine. So the turbines are just left in like a graveyard that you can't do nothing else with. Like, So like every 40 years then they're going to say, oh, we just do new turbines, we'll... Like, all the money that's been wasted, like, and all these electric cars that are coming in, like, the batteries, like, in the electric cars, my, uh, personally, I know, got an electric car about seven years ago, and that car is worth nothing, no, because the battery is, is gone, that you only get 50 kilometres of the battery. 
Fine. And so the, the battery over time depletes, does it? It gets le- it reduces its performance. Oh, he, 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 he can't even get down to walking ring as a skiddy from the north, I know that. Because the battery's just got old and tired. Yeah. Yeah, and he went back to the shop and they want to do nothing from dead. It, it costs more for a new battery than it would to replace That's the so. That is so true. I mean, in a, in a smaller scale story, and I don't mean to be hogging the conversation, I have an electric bike, right? I've had it a long, long time. I thought the charger was broken recently until I got another similar battery and plugged it into it and it worked. The charger isn't broken. It just means that the battery for my electric bike just worn. has died. Exactly. It yeah. no longer takes a charge. And then these car batteries can't be recycled, Neil. So, like, the amount of money, for just for one car battery, the amount of lithium and the amount of chemicals and stuff that they have to dig out of the earth. And it's mainly done by human hands. You know, it's, it's labor, it's um, slavery in some countries. Like, uh, I have kids. a very interesting article on that. It's um, many, many children are employed because they yeah, get all them. children. Yeah. And like, and the Green Party then are saying, oh, we have to protect the planet. Protect. What about all the kids that are down in, being poisoned from all this stuff that they're digging for one car battery that's only going to last six or seven years? And then. But surely no the go- car battery will last longer than that, Johnny. Well, the car is a, seven, it's a 16 car, Neil, and it's no good anymore. So for him then to do something, he needs to replace the battery, is it? Yeah, but they say that. The price of the battery is it'll only cost them an extra five grand for a new car. Like, wow, that's a bit of a pig in a poke, isn't it? Do you know, after seven years of having the car, like, and the car, the car is a good car. It's still immaculate. The car is spotless, but it's just no good because the battery is not good no more. Like, you know, right. where's the sense in this? Like, no sense in that one. Thanks, pal. Cheers. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Cork's Red FM. You know the drill. Pick up the phone, 0818104106. You know the drill. Actually, I will come back again to um, some of the conversations uh, we had a few weeks back with regards to electric cars. Got an awful lot of emails and texts that I didn't use, and I want to come back to them, particularly if you have an experience with an electric car or a hybrid. I think hybrid's a much safer way to start, isn't it? Because you're relying on both sources, but certainly in urban areas, you're helping with regards to emissions because you're on electric primarily. But uh, particularly if you've been disappointed. No, actually, I, I shouldn't hone in on the, just the negative. You're happy with your electric car? You're disappointed? What are the drawbacks? What are the benefits? Text 0868104106. Even better if you come on the air. You know, I was talking and I didn't get to play uh, Seamus's Vox. He was down there a few days ago on the Grand Parade because you know the big toilet on the Grand Parade that was closed up a few years ago because, and, and it was very effective. It was doing its job, except unfortunately, people were using it to shoot up. Uh, so they decided, in their wisdom, the city fathers, want of a better term, fathers and mothers, I suppose, to. Uh, close it down. Now they're going to take it away. But we were chatting about that. It uh, turned out that there is another facility, a relatively new one. I think it's been there I think Seamus told me something like six months but nobody knew about it and even the examiner yesterday were reporting the Cork City councillors were also, for want of a better term, caught short because they didn't know that there was a new city centre toilet facility. Apparently it's got all the bells and whistles and everything. I'll tell you some more about it. I think it might have a, did I read somewhere this morning that it has changing facilities and all sorts of things like that inside of it? You kind of tap and go, quite literally uh, tap and go. So to the streets of the Grand Parade uh, for our Vox. Here's Seamus. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs of every head he's had the pleasure to know. And all the people that come and go. 
Would you ever have known that there was a toilet there? No, I would not. Apparently that one has been going unnoticed for quite a while. Because oh, there's nothing wrote on the door saying toilet anyway. No, it's just the door. You're visiting Cork, are you? Yeah. And how did you figure out there was a toilet here when we're living here and we didn't know there was one? Uh, <laughs> we, we saw those ones over there and um, we haven't got any change on us. So we saw that and just walked past and thought... Is it a toilet? Come here, it, it takes strangers to point stuff out to us because we're only copying on to this now in the last day or so oh. that there's a public toilet here. We've only been here since Monday. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to be very flush with your money because it's 50 cent to spend a penny. But you, oh, need, but, but you need your card. Well, no, it's all right. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it that uh, that dear at home, is it? No, no. In our public toilets in England, you don't really... You d- it's either 20p or you don't have to pay. They're not. It's not very common to pay to go to like, a public toilet. And if it is, it's usually by the sea that you have to pay. Yeah. Disabled, uh, yeah, it's free. Get a key to open the disabled toilet, everyone one key, so you don't have to pay for that. Well, that's the only one in the city, and and it's only uncovered itself in the last two days when it's there about three months. Oh, wow, okay. Well, I'm glad we found it for you. Did you ever think that there was a public toilet here on the Grand Parade? No, I didn't, not until you pointed it out, to be honest. It's been there for the last couple of months, apparently, and people walking straight oh, by so, it. Oh, so it is a toilet? It is. Oh, great, OK. No, it's 50 cent, but you have to use your card. Oh, OK. I think, yeah, OK, they should be free. Would you use it on that pri- those prices? Uh, no, because I live about, like, a five-minute walk away, so I think I'd rather pee at my own house for free. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a shame to actually see these ones over here close. It is, it? absolutely, and... I think people are, it's more worth it to kind of go into a shop that has free public toilets anyways. I just saw a woman going there during the week and she asked someone and I was saying, what's she going in? And I looked and I saw it was a toilet. And it's been under our nose for these... But they don't want a lot of people going in there, you see, because a lot of the drug addicts are shooting up inside there, you know. But would you be shooting up when they're charging 50 cent to get in? They would, of course. They'd be doing deals inside there and everything, you know. So that's why they, that's why this one is closed on. They're dealing inside there, you know. That's a pity, isn't it? That, that there's it's no... all over town. It's happening everywhere. If you go up to Fitzgerald's Park, everywhere, they're all shooting up in shaky bridges. Drugs pumping up everywhere in the city. It's if you just look, you find it. That brown door over there, any idea what's behind it? No. Not a clue. What would you, you say if I told you it was a public toilet? Wouldn't really stand the, out. In, the, in this day and age, it won't surprise me. Because we've been crying out for public toilets here on the Grand Parade for quite a long time because the one above here has been closed because the guy's shooting up. And right. there's one under our nose for the last couple of months. And No, I'm not, not a clue. There's no sound saying anything, is there? Well, just what you see on the door. No, no idea. It's been there the whole time. Yeah, it's, it's uh, apparently been operational for the last three, four months. Unbelievable. And what about that one there then, across the way? It's uh, zero euro if you can get into it, it's locked up. Ah, because fuck. they closed it because people shooting up in it. Fair enough. Fifty cents, but only card access. Uh, <laughs>
Seamus's card wouldn't work. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay, just very quickly with the little time that's left, have an aged. Now it's like this, little britches. All you gotta do is... Look for the bare necessities. This, oh, that's Phil Harris singing the bare necessities from The Jungle Book. And the character, of course, is Baloo the Bear. Great film, great film. Congratulations to Sharon Lynch in Ballymountain in Bandon and Lisa Sheehan in Gronabraher Avenue. For both of you, we have an annual family pass each uh, for Photo Wildlife Park. And we'll do two more tomorrow and on Friday. A big prize VIP private tour of photo, two nights overnight in the four-star Oriel House Hotel. Dinner on one night for a family of two adults and up to three children, plus a picnic to enjoy, particularly if you get the picnic and take it away uh, to Foda Wildlife Park. Just interestingly, we're talking about public conveniences, the toilet on the Grand Parade. Ask Neil as a cyclist if you could bring up this issue. Is there any public bicycle pump installed anywhere on the cycle lanes in Cork? I've seen them in London. They're mega, says Paul. No, but I've seen a few people turn the bike upside down trying to repair a puncture, but I've never seen a public bicycle pump installed anywhere on the cycle lanes of Cork. In fact... Not the cycling that I do. I rarely see another cyclist <laughs> in the cycling lanes of Cork. <laughs> Never mind a bicycle pump. But anyway, uh, then talking about um, you know how we do business here by comparison to overseas and holidays in France and La Rochelle with my wife and kids. We came across a minibus full of French police in riot gear. Being tourists, we struck up a conversation with them, wanting to find out if this was a dangerous area. Turns out there are three buses like them stationed in the area ready to go in an instant response for any trouble that might break out. It was 8pm on a glorious summer evening. They shared coffee with me and my wife and gave our kids juice. It was a memorable incident on our trip. Why can't we have a response unit like that in cities in Ireland? And a final one from a fellow who lived in the Democratic Republic of Congo a few years ago. I was at a big soccer match in the capital, Kinshasa, and there was trouble after the game. So a fleet of police vehicles came into the stadium and tear gas was used to disperse the crowd. Everyone was affected by the tear gas, but it was effective. It would have turned violent if the police hadn't used the tear gas, so it could have been much, much worse. The Gardaí should have paddy wagons filled with Gardaí armed with tear gas to disperse gangs. What good is it sending a couple of guards with batons? The police in the Congo arrest people breaking the law, bring them to jail, where they're kept until a fine is paid for their release. It would be much cheaper and less time-consuming for Gardaí and judges if that applied here, instead of bringing them through court where they get released again and again onto the streets. So we'll come back to that and lots more besides in the morning, I promise you that. One final call before I go, because we were chatting this morning about what song would you like played at your funeral or at your graveside or at your crematorium? Big response to it. Um, it's no longer uh, My Way by Frank Sinatra that's number one. So we read out some lovely texts. It's um, time to say goodbye uh, by Bocelli and what have you. But a lovely text came in from Catherine. So Catherine, good morning. Good morning. Okay, you, you told a lovely story about when your mum passed away unexpectedly at the young age of 71. Yes, yeah, it was very unexpected. Now, she had been in for a little while, but um, nothing to the extent that we expected her to pass. So one song was Sweet 16 by the Furies, but the other one is Love Was All Around by Wet, Wet, Wet. Was wet, this wet, played wet. at the crematorium? It was. Both songs were played and both songs were sang to. And the reaction? Oh, it was just... Now, even to this day, any time I heard them, I get goosebumps. It was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. 
the extent that even the crematorium staff afterwards turned around and said, that's how it should be done. Did everybody know the lyrics? Everyone. Everyone. It was... It it was an amazing experience. Was it tearful? Absolutely. There wasn't a dry eye. Did your mum love that song? She did. She did. She did. It was just, it was just a, a real experience. We lost that two years later, so, um, and it wasn't the same type of experience. Just <laughs> put that way. What song did you have for your dad? Um, to be honest, I can't remember. I was just in shock. My dad was sudden as well. So, what song would you like uh, for yourself? Oh, myself. If you get there before I do, is my song. I can't remember who actually sings it at the moment. Colin Ray. That's it. That's it. That is my all-time most favourite song ever. Well, that's your chosen one then. Hold on to that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be mine. But for Una, it was wet, wet, wet. Yeah, all the way. She had them picked in all herself. Before she passed. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Catherine. Sweet 16 was my dad's and her song, so. Did you play Sweet 16 for your dad, yeah? We did. We did. Two good tunes. We did, we played that. And they're both actually, they're both actors went in together and they were both buried together. Okay, well chosen songs. Well chosen songs for a wonderful mum and dad. Look after yourself, Catherine. Thanks for that. Thank you. Bye. Bye. song makes a big difference, doesn't it? And it did for Catherine's mam, Una. Keep your text coming. I can revisit this story again tomorrow. As you say goodbye to your loved one and indeed to your good self, what song would you like played? Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. We'll do some more family passes for various tourist destinations across the city and county on tomorrow's show because I can tell you one thing. As soon as primary schools are out, and I don't believe they're out just yet, the floodgates then will seriously open for people wanting to go on holidays both at home and abroad. But for now, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.